comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. recording and this is out now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron and Abe is not here, but we are gonna go on anyway. Out now is regularly a film podcast as Abe and I discussing new movies weekly. However, every now and then we like to do random bonus episodes such as this one. And this is going to be another entry entry in our James Bond commentary episodes. We previously did one for, for Russia with Love and now we're gonna do one for an unlikely choice by some would think. Uh, Moonraker, the Roger Moore film. Moonraker, where Bond eventually does go into space. And joining me to discuss Moonraker, we have writer for Mendelssohn's Memos and the Huffington Post, the man with the titanium dentures, Scott Mendelssohn. That is a true story. And guest writer for Mendelssohn's Memos, who's currently recapping all of the Bond films with detailed retrospectives, currently preparing for re-entry, Brandon Peters. Well, here's to us. <laughs> All right, how you guys doing? I'm good. I'm terrific. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, so uh, I guess for those who maybe did not listen to our From Russia with Love commentary, I have no idea what we're <laughs> talking about. We previously did a commentary for From Russia with Love, the second Bond film starring Sean Connery. And um, we, we had so much fun doing that one that we figured, why not do more Bond movies? And so... Right now, the plan is that we're going to do this one, Moonraker, with Roger Moore, and then we're going to move on to a Brosnan joint with Goldeneye, which basically is the opposite end of the spectrum as a movie that a lot of people really like, as opposed to something like Moonraker, which we'll discuss as being possibly underrated, but a lot of people dislike. And then we'll move into Quantum of Solace, which is more mixed territory, so so to say. So we're kind of going up and down, up and down with these Bond commentaries that we plan to do. But uh, yeah, let's uh, let's just get into it here. No real, I mean, it's a commentary episode. No real announcements necessary. So let's just let's just move in. So I believe all three of us are currently kind of synced together, um, depending on what format you're watching. I have a Blu-ray. Scott has a DVD. I think Brandon, you have a DVD. Yes. Okay. And uh, we're all, I'm like three seconds in. Scott's like what? One second in maybe. So yeah. basically, the MGM lion is like mid roar, and so. Pause it there for anyone listening to this and watching the movie at the same time, and I'm going to count down three, two, one, and go, and on the sound of go, we're all going to press play and just get the movie going. Okay, three, two, one, go. Lift off. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so which entry is this? Is this the 13th Bond film? I don't... Uh, this is one, Bond two, number... Uh, 12. It's ten. It's ten. Okay, yes. It's no. It's the eleventh. It's the eleventh. Well, are you counting? What? Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I think it's twelve, but whatever. Wikipedia told me eleventh. That's it. Up. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> this is the first Bond film. <laughs> <laughs> It's a big start. It is the third novel. Is it the third? Right. That's cool. 
All right, so yeah, we're starting off the movie. We got our cold open here, and I, I just saw something like this when the Endeavor passed by the other week with a shuttle on strapped on top of a giant plane. Was it too hijacked by not Spectre? Ironically, yes. I can't believe I saw oh. something like that. <laughs> uh, and that's how easy it is, right there. That was really easy. Assuming you can breathe in those, I mean, it's possible that you can't breathe. Is that Jesse Eisenberg? <laughs> <laughs> I wear a brown leather jacket, and he wears a black leather jacket. <laughs> That's their secret henchman uniforms, apparently. Well, keep them comfy while you're hijacking a space shuttle or whatever they're doing. It looks more like Joaquin Phoenix, I think. <laughs> fair enough, fair <laughs> the enough. one of the brown, anyway. <laughs> this is, I mean, the last film was them hijacking a submarine, the not Spectre. And then here they're hijacking a space shuttle. So, pretty oh. much. Yeah, that's not Same beat. Batman is unavailable. Get 007. <laughs> this is his last film, by the way. Uh, Bernard Lee, or Bernard Lee, however you pronounce it, as oh. M. Why did he leave? Or He didn't leave. Well, he, he left the... <laughs> The uh, living, but um, oh, oh, I would explain that. Yeah, he uh, he died during production of uh, For Your Eyes Only before he was to film anything. Ah, there's Roger Moore as we always know him, having sex with a woman about thirty years younger than him, sporting a classy turtleneck. Yes. Oh, this is our great. Do you guys have do you guys have a uh, three guys with bags on their heads being <laughs> on a plane right now? Or? Why does he wear the mask? That's an, if, he, if you take off the mask, will you die? That's an awfully specific question. Oh, Mr. Bond. <laughs> uh, could have just shot turn him. To the woman, does he turn to the woman and say, no, we need to, they need to find a body? Scott, you can't just, you can't shoot Bond. He, he, no, that, that wouldn't make any sense at all whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> sense. You just shoot him. How did he get into the situation where he didn't know who's flying this plane, let alone the fact that Jaws is also on this plane? <laughs> Where's Jaws hiding, by the way? <laughs> I think generally he doesn't care. That's Well, the parachute works, so I guess he's okay. That's the Roger Moore style, I guess. Oh. He just doesn't care. <laughs> by the way, this is my favorite all-time Bond opening. It's great. Really? It's fantastic. Yes, I love this one. I, I may, like... Spy Love Me a little. Well, I love that movie more though. So, but this movie. Oh, I, I like the Spy Love Me better than Moonraker. But this opening is just I always. It is pretty awesome. No, I'm just thinking how the. I mean, obviously this came first. It's actually very similar to a major third act scene in Point Break. Yep. Ah. Uh, I think it's because I always kind of I always see skydiving and it looks good to be like i never really see back yeah. besides when it's obvious like it never really i never really see bad skydiving scenes it seems like like doesn't that look like two people that are falling down to the earth right now because they are <laughs> it looks good it, it was probably i guess it was probably relatively real yeah uh, that yeah. you know people people like to mock the roger moore movies and with somewhat reason what have you but they have amazing stunt work and it's always real and it's always you can always believe your eyes while you're watching a roger moore film well, same okay. with same with Dalton and the uh, first three Brosnans. Yes, 
Um, You're saying CGI uh, surfing Bond and Die Another Day doesn't meet your quality standards? Uh, well, no. <laughs> well, there's like two surfing scenes in that movie, too, aren't there? Yes. <laughs> yes. One, one is kite surfing. Yeah, one's on par with Escape from L.A. Whew. Let's not am, I the, am I the only one that likes Escape from L.A. more than Escape from New York? I'm guessing I'm, so. Uh, yeah, I'm guessing so on that. I, okay, I, don't, fair I don't dislike that movie. Because I think it's fun, but I do like Escape from New York quite a bit. Fair enough. Fun oh. fact, the, the actor skydiving uh, is not Richard Keel there, believe it or not. He didn't do his own skydiving stunts? No, apparently not. He must have been busy doing Adam's family. He did his own rear projection <laughs> work, but he did not. Uh... Uh, circus. <laughs> I think I'm taking my daughter to the circus on Sunday. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Should be fun. Hopefully this doesn't happen. Bond will return to the circus in Octopussy. And that's game. Yeah. And now we're getting to a theme song by... Is it Shirley Bassey it's again? Shirley Bassey, yes. yes. Her final one. This is actually her fourth song. She had a rendition of Mr. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang for Thunderball, uh, but it didn't make it. Do you know why they ended up going with the Tom Jones one? Um, because they decided that it needed to have the title in the song. <laughs> oh, Fair enough. I love that we and, have a song called Moonraker. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, originally, um, I believe they had Sinatra. They tried to get him to do it. They wrote a different song, not called Moonraker, for him, and he turned him down. Hmm. And also, Johnny Mathis uh, started working on one, but never, never panned out. Hmm. I'm sure we'll talk about this when we eventually review Skyfall, but I really like the Adele song a lot. Love it. I really love that. It's very it's very good. It feels like these songs, these old classic ones from like Shirley Bassey, who is I love her songs and these just like the Well It's been a very long time since we've had a Bond song that was sort of a melodramatic love song. I don't know. Tomorrow well, I guess tomorrow never dies is over ten years old now, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think about that very often, but yeah, that's an old movie. That's uh, fifteen years old. Yeah. Um, Cubby Broccoli, our buddy Cubby Cubs. that we talked about last time, Cub, Cubster, uh, he, he, he was noted as quoting that, uh, he was kind of unhappy with, uh, the cost of this credit sequence. He said cost more than Dr. No. <laughs> it is pretty elaborate. And this film itself cost as much as the first six James Bond films combined. Mm, not, wow. not surprising, but. Fun. But the budget, but the budget for this was what, thirty-four million back then. <laughs> yeah. So, in um, in watching these Blu-rays, which are quite clear, especially during these opening title sequences, I realized that maybe the greatest porn find in all mankind would be like the dailies shot for these scenes, <laughs> <laughs> like just without the silhouettes and just these women doing whatever they're doing. <laughs> like, all right, now I, I need the splits. Thank you. <laughs> This is the part where you jump and morph into a jet plane. Thank you. Golden Eye right. has a great, like, there's like a gun comes out of the woman's mouth kind of stuff. Like, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. But these Blu-rays are way too clear. I'm seeing more than I think they intend to be to see in these opening title sequences. Now, I noticed the, the uh, editing credit was for John Glenn. Um, did he, when did he start directing? The next one. Uh, he, he started directing with the next one, but he was on, 
He was like the Peter Hunt who uh, directed On Her Majesty's Secret Service was doing second unit and editing up till that point. And then John Glenn was uh, an editor. I can't remember when he started, but he was around and hmm. promoted up the rankings. Now, this is a Lewis Gilbert film. How many Bond has he directed? Uh, three. Uh, you Only Live Twice, Spy Who Loved Me, and this is his finale, Moonraker. So he's obviously known for the larger-than-life escapades. Yes. And oh. funny enough, his other two notable films that he did in his career were Alfie and Educating Rita, which oh. are Michael not Caine. as larger than life. Yes. Who, who was be- Michael Kate? Go ahead. I was wondering who besides um, some of the newer ones, like, you know, obviously like Martin Kent, like who is like of these older directors, who's like, who would be like considered the biggest of the directors of, that has also done Bond movies? Uh, I think Terrence Young was pretty big back in his day. None of the films strike me as familiar, but I bet if you lived back then, you might have known him a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I would argue to a certain extent, you know, even up to Martin Campbell, there was an attempt to make sure that you didn't get a director that was bigger than the franchise. I mean, you know, now we love Martin Campbell. We, you know, he gets, you know, he gets, does Green Lantern, does Zorro, whatever, but you know, back in Goldeneye, he was hired because he was a, you know, a journeyman B-level British director. That's fair to say, yeah, because I, I guess I haven't really thought about what he did before. Yeah, yeah, he actually, yeah. yeah. You know, he's that guy that did No Escape. No Escape, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, he had done a number of, uh, he was known for the, the original Edge of Darkness miniseries in the 80s, which, of course, he remade with Mel Gibson a couple years ago. Terribly. <clears throat> I like the movie, but we'll talk about that another day. Uh-huh. Um, if, if you step just outside the Eon Bond series and go to Never Say Never Again, it was directed by Irving Kirshner. Oh, there you go. Oh. But, but that's not a good movie. <laughs> hey, uh, since, you like, since you like Thunderball so much, you might want to venture to that one next. See, no, see, I, I can't, like, yeah. We discussed off air that Thunderball, I am not as big a fan. I'm not as warm to as I know many people are. I put it, I put it fourth in the Sean Connery bonds but yeah never is it ever again it's a movie i could live without seeing ever or ever again <laughs> never say never didn't say it never i said ever <laughs> yeah um and this will not be a speed scream civic commentary <laughs> i see uh, uh, this is uh quite good this is where like the reverse of spy who loved me where bond goes and visits our main villain right off the bat and then has to trail back to figure out if he's involved. Mm-hmm. Which, which actually would, of course, repeat itself in uh, View to a Kill, which, if I recall, he meets Christopher Walken, like, what, 20, 10 minutes in, 15 minutes in? Uh, yeah, pretty um, pretty early on. And this is the, well, no, not this, and then the next, the next one would also have a major action sequence set where he's a passenger in a helicopter. Yes. Um, let's see. I had a thought, but I lost it. Uh, well, I think you're going to say how Lee Tamahura is maybe the biggest director ever to have directed a Bond film, but and look how well that turned out. <laughs> Sorry, no wonder they don't. Next, Lee Tamahura. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, uh, and I think after Martin Campbell with Goldeneye, you know, apparently, you know, according to Brandon, and I, I've read this too, you know, they asked him to do Tomorrow Never Dies, he passed for whatever reason. Then they started getting some rather 
you know, the the the, the idea became to get interesting directors that you wouldn't think of for Bond. Michael Apted. <laughs> yeah, Michael Apted. You know, Roger Spottiswood, hey. director yeah. of Terror Train. And Turner exactly. and Hooch. <laughs> <laughs> From the director of 35 Up comes The World Is Not Enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, like, threw me when I found that. I was like, Michael Apted yeah. to The World Is Not Enough? <laughs> That's crazy talk. <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I think his touch, you know, I... I I like that film more than a lot of people do. Um, and I don't want to get too much into The World's Not Enough, but no, it, it's a very character-driven film. And I think that was because they got a very character-driven director. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Lee, what's his name again? Tomahori. Tomahori, Tom, yeah. I don't know what they were thinking on that one. It was another um, New Zealander like Martin Campbell. Uh, oh, well. They're all, you know, they get good actors from New Zealand, so they might as well get good directors. That's what they, that's the logic. Well, uh, Martin Campbell uh, said he did not want to do two Bond films in a row. That's why he did not uh, return for Tomorrow Never Dies and probably Quantum of Solace. Instead, he went on to do Green Lantern. Yep. Alas. <laughs> I don't think he wants to do two Green Lantern films in a row either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Warner Brothers wants him to do two Green Lantern films in a row. Um, no, I mean, it's, it's it's we can debate how much of that was his fault, but at the end of the day, he's the director, and so be it. Mm-hmm. I will. Uh, I will say for listeners that we. I was going. There was a decision process involved in ch- selecting these movies that we were going to talk about, and basically, we chose. We went with either doing Moonraker and Goldeneye, which is what we've chosen, or The Spy Who Loved Me and The World Is Not Enough, because both films. I think like both Moonraker and. Um, the world's not enough. I feel are underrated, and I think you guys would agree with that. I mean, they absolutely. They, oh, completely. They, they are they're films that I think get looked at as the silliest of silly when it comes to James Bond movies. And the fact is, and we'll probably get to that as we actually start discussing Moonraker more. That that's not really so. Like Moon, like Moonraker is a fairly. How would you how would you describe Moonraker? Like Brandon, it's a like it, relatively down, you know, serious, violent picture. It just happens to go to space at the end. Yes. <laughs> And, yeah, I mean, the, the first three quarters of this film is a very serious, uh, dark picture. It's one of the, you know, Bond at his best, actually. And it just doesn't, just can't manage to, it limps to the finish line. And then The, uh, the World is Not Enough, um, that movie, aside from Denise Richards, is also, like, just a really competent action movie. Like, it, yeah. it works for what it's trying to do. Um, no, I, I've said this, and I, I mentioned this the other day, I think on Facebook or whatever, but... If the world is not enough, did not feel inclined to have a second Bond girl so that James Bond would have a quote-unquote happy ending, I think that would have been one of the best films in the series. Mm-hmm. It's not just that Denise Richards is terrible, miscast, whatever, it's that her character is entirely unnecessary. As opposed to something like Tomorrow Never Dies or Goldeneye, which preceded it, yes. which did a good job of incorporating the female character. Yes, exactly. Both of them. <laughs> um, both female characters in both movies. Uh, and I, I think one of the reasons I like this film, Moonraker, is, yes, he does meet the villain right away. So you sort of lose a bunch of that whole James Bond pretends to be somebody else, walks into a cafe, hits up this guy for information. Then he hits up that guy for information. And everybody knows he's James Bond. I mean, as, as there, I mean, you would know this more than me, Brandon. Has there ever been a James Bond movie where his cover actually worked? Huh. Um, it actually works in Diamonds Are Forever for quite a bit. Fair enough. You only live twice, doesn't he pass for an Asian? Like, pretty much everyone's like, yeah, that makes sense. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> the, the only people believing him are the people playing into his cover in that movie. I don't. Yeah. Everyone else is just saying, 
Yes, there's some fingers crossed. Well, Scott, you well, you touched on what I like about kind of Roger Moore's performance. I've always I've always thought of Roger Moore as like the the Dean Martin version of Bond, where yeah. he he plays it where like the, his swagger involves him recognizing that the character is literally one of the worst must be one of the worst spies because everybody knows who he is and he, they even know what kind of drink he likes to drink. So it's like how yes. effective a spy can he be? So he plays it that way and he. It works like to, for yeah. these for the tone of, the, of these movies. Like he still has a ruthlessness to him when he when the time calls for it. But for the most part, he has this charm that I think fits these movies that he stars in. Uh, well, I would agree. I, I have to say, it wasn't when I was watching these. It wasn't until You Only Live Twice that they actually sent Bond on a mission with a cover name. Like he kept going on missions as James Bond, <laughs> <laughs> and. And it was driving me nuts. I'm like, come on. And then, but you only live twice. They fake his death at the beginning. So, of course, he's got to go out with a different ID. But it was like, finally, you know, he gets a cover. He gets a couple of fake IDs in From Russia with Love, but he never really sticks uses it for anything. But in You Only Live Twice, finally, he goes in as somebody else. And then they figure out right away he's not who he says he is. Is this Dr. Goodhead? Yes. This is Doctor Goodhead. We could have played a we could have played a drinking game and been quite smashed by the time we got to actually meet her. <laughs> Doctor Goodhead, because they they mention her name about eight times in thirty seconds before he actually meets her. Like, get it? <laughs> Goodhead, Goodhead, Goodhead. Yeah, what's, got it. What's the well besides Pussy Galore? I'm trying to think of the other terrible ones. Um. Well, obviously, well, Christmas Joe isn't dirty. It's just used in a dirty fashion. Yeah. Um. Like Xena on a top, I guess. Xenia on a top. Yeah. What's the one in the Golden Gun? What's her name? Uh, Goodnight. It's a good. Yes. Yeah. Mary Goodnight. God. I, I do think this is kind of interesting. You know, you're, we're 17 minutes into the film, and he's already met the main villain and the main Bond girl. Yeah. Again, I think again one of the reasons I like this film is they don't mess around. They don't. They cut right to the chase in almost a quantum of solace fashion. Um, We're gonna get so much discussion uh, about Quantum of Solace when we talk about that movie. Um, <laughs> this uh, speaking of the Bond girl, Lois Childs, she was actually the uh, first chosen to play Agent Triple X in Spy Who Loved Me, but oh. uh, she turned it down because she was quote unquote retiring from acting. Hmm. Whoops! But the characters essentially serves the same purpose in this, but it's a more of a, a serious take because uh, I mean Barbara Brock's character in Spy Who Loved Me is a little bit. You know, cartoonish and colorful, whereas this is kind of more. I, I don't want to use the word gritty, but more down, serious. Down there. Dark and gritty. But I mean, yeah. it, like it, the dark night. for Barbara Bross character, yeah. it fits, though, because she's essentially. <laughs> for, for Moonraker Bar- is gritty. You can take me out of context. For, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for Barbara Bross character in Survive Love Me, though, like it fits because she's essentially playing the Russian equivalent of James Bond. Her, yes. her name is Agent Triple X. Like she, before before Vin Diesel named, nailed that one down. Like she's she's playing the person that's in Russia. I would I guess has the same sort of suaveness where she can sleep with whatever meant. Well, apparently she had a boyfriend in that movie. So, but like she she has that kind of she's on top of her game and she you know she can handle herself and do all these things just as James Bond can do. And for England, like it's it fits that character. I guess that she has a an inherent goofiness to her persona. They originally planned on having her cameo in this film, but it got dropped at the script stages. Are there even Russians in this film? Uh, General Gogol, oh, yeah, who right. is a recurring character until uh, Living Daylights. 
which is something I didn't really think about actually. But when I was rewatching, it's like, oh yeah, this Russian character, like he, he, they have like a, there's a preserved continuity going on in these films as well as since we've you know gotten past like Spectre and all that situation. It's neat, see, because I've been, I've been, you know, I know you've been watching them, obviously, Brandon, but I've been watching these Bond I've movies. Seen a few. Yeah, you've seen a couple, and uh, I, having <laughs> going going back through these Bond movies again, I forgot how much like continuity there actually is between the series. Yeah, there's things they try, and there's things that. Yeah, I mean, know, it's not like a. I mean, it's not Joe Don. Joe Don Baker was dropped after. Yeah. <laughs> two films, and then they actually they bring Robbie Coltrane back yeah. from. Goldeneye yes. in World is Not Enough, little, which is really little cool. Little touches like that, I think, are, are pretty cool. He really is terrific in that film, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, he's mostly played for laughs in Goldeneye, but he actually has a character to play in World is Not Enough. Um, and Roger Moore yeah. actually got a bruise to his face during this scene. I can imagine. Um, and this, this Chang character... He, uh, actually, producer Michael G. Wilson took classes from him. That's how he got cl- cast in the movie. Does he also only wear robes now? <laughs> yeah. Uh, classes doing what? Uh, whatever martial arts he was teaching. Oh, okay, martial arts. Fair enough. Jenga fighting. And he's <laughs> actually, there was a, actually a character, another henchman, because we have him and then we'll have Jaws later, but there's a another henchman called Rats with a Z. <laughs> that was uh he made it to storyboarding but uh didn't make it to the final script oh they must have had joaquin phoenix look like henchmen they're like oh we're good <laughs> <laughs> i like I, I like we'll get to this when we get to jaws i guess but i like the idea that like jaws just like went around looking for villains to work for <laughs> well I, I love that scene it's just like where do they find these guys oh they just make a call <laughs> I'll have my guy call your guy. We'll, we'll see if we can get something. <laughs> well, there's probably, I mean, this is the 70s, so I guess there wouldn't be the internet or anything, but you know, there's some kind of, you know, classified ads. You know, yeah. either you're a henchman looking for work or you're trying to hire henchmen. Yeah, well, John, John McClane addressed this and Live for Your Die Hard, 1-800-HENCHMAN. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that's an awfully quick callback to the, to the gadget that was introduced about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> which is fine it makes sense but I, w- I wish Q like has like Q sense going off or something like that and it's like I something must have happened to Bond oh my gadget <laughs> oh my gadgets are alright anyway See, I, I enjoy this scene um, here they just did because I mean kind of reminds me of like Goldfinger with a laser a bit yeah it's a it's a it's, a, it's nice. an involved death trap yes well, it, it's an involved death trap that makes sense so here I can understand why they don't just shoot him because they want him to look like an accident. And if this had worked, it would have looked like an accident. Completely fair, yeah. As opposed to you know the beginning of the movie where they're trying to what make a plane crash or whatever, like just shoot him and throw him out of the plane. You're not gonna be able to fake anything, people. Well, I mean, if we had the context for that scene, Scott, we would have found out that yeah. Bond actually stole his woman and his property and probably money from him and ruined his evil plot. So therefore, he wanted Bond to die a slow death by plane crash. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, this uh, must be the wrong room. Or it is the right uh, room. Oh, it's very much the right room. He looks like a Vegas magician. <laughs> Show me your hands! She looks vaguely like Jordana Brewster. Yeah, agreed. Huh. Uh, I, Roger I Moore get... is Lance Burton. 
。ハザー<笑><笑>
Please return oh. to the Q branch. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't sabotage. You do Jack Fletcher on there. And, and you guys mentioned this earlier, but I think it's worth pointing out again. In a lot of ways, this the last oh, 15 minutes or so, this is usually what happens in the third act of a Bond film, where he goes to the villain's house, he meets up with the bad guy, he sneaks around and gets information. Um, which, of course, theoretically leaves you wondering, well, what's going to happen next? Since we're only about 28 minutes into this film. And it's yeah. we've got at least an hour or an hour and 15 minutes before he goes to space. Let's see, this was nominated for Best Visual Effects. What? Oh, Alien won that year. That makes sense. Yes. Okay. I don't know how. <laughs> Steve Competition, The Black Hole, Moonraker, 1941, and Star Trek, The Motion Picture. Wow. You weren't being sarcastic. Oh, yeah, it's, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty good company. Oh, this is a crazy year. Kramer versus Kramer, all that jazz, and uh, Apocalypse Now. All... It was a pretty good year. Yeah. China Syndrome, Manhattan. And, of course, the Muppet. was the Muppet year Rocky won? Was it 76? 76. 76. Yeah, that, that year. Network, was Taxi Driver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I love it. All the like, presidents. The 70s for me, like, even though I'm I'm a child of the 90s and a lot of my favorite movies do come from the 90s, the 70s I tend to think is, like, just the best decade of cinema. It's like, you and me both. Yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, I would agree, but I would also say that that's where a lot of the wah-wah cinema is dead articles are always springing from. Yeah. That the critics so, that... A, they grew up in the '70s, and B, they were the prime voices in the '70s. Or you know, you know, the the, the I'm about to get on a tangent here. How do I wrap this up quickly? Um, the idea that 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 the critical voices were very very important, and they were they they were at the head of the table in the '70s. Mm-hmm. And now that they're not, you know, they they're running around screaming "Wow, wow!" Cinema is dead because we like the Avengers. Um, this is one of my favorite Bond villain outfits, by the way. My God, that, is that looks so pretty, silky smooth. That looks pretty incognito. Um, is the part where he shoots a guy out of a tree? Yes. Yeah. Okay, Correct. sorry about that. Which is pretty this awesome. Is, I'm not yeah. sure anyone listening to the Moonraker commentary is not worried about spoilers. <laughs> this is true, but nonetheless. This is, um, the, uh, this is the only time uh, Bond fires a gun in the film. Really? Fair enough. You're right, because he had a little laser at the end, doesn't he? But doesn't even, yes. Does he even fire? Well, he's, the, he's got the dart. It's like a, a real gun. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. I gotcha. I see what you're throwing down. The, the famous Walther is absent in this film. Is there any reason behind that, you think? Or just because they... I just think that they probably weren't even thinking about it. <laughs> Boom. Uh, how many people does he kill in this film? Only because I know you, you have your body count tracker when you write your articles. Um, Does Bond kill? It's probably compared to how many people die in this film based on the giant laser battle at the end. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I mean, as I say, how many people does Bond himself kill? Um, Bond himself? Um, give me a sec. I couldn't look up your piece. Do we, do we count that guy that he that he threw off the plane at the beginning? I'm <laughs> yes. Yeah. He did take his parachute, I guess. So yeah, he's dead. It's murder. Um, get, as we were talking about this, this scene. This this really goes into how dark this movie is because yes, this is exactly. I I was thrown. I hadn't seen this movie in a long time. I think I'd only seen it once, maybe twice, and I was younger when I'd seen it, and I was just wow. Yeah, this is this is a reason. This is one of the reasons I always call back to Moonraker as a movie that's 
it's underrated because it is pretty ruthless and dark, and there's a lot, there's, it's very much just a regular old Bond movie with, yeah, great, like, just things that you would, that happen in Bond movies, not just, like, a crazy, silly space adventure, like, there's, there's ridiculous stuff that goes on in this, in the rest of this movie that's, works for this series, and is also darker than the average Bond film, like, so yeah. basically the the Bond villain, Hugo Drax is just, re- or his henchman is just released two pit bulls, to, are, they, are they pit bulls? What are they? Yeah, Shepard, whatever. Just two ferocious dogs to kill one of the Bond girls in this movie, and it's that's horrible. It's a horrible thing that happens. And it, it agreed. It's a long protracted sequence. You know, it's not over in a flash. Uh, one of the reasons I do like this film is 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 it Dax or Drax? Drax. 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 He's you know he's not funny. He's not flamboyant. He's not cappy. He doesn't say much, if I recall. Uh, he just he's very he down to earth. He sounds like a movie trailer voice. Yes. It's a very just cruel, vicious voice who just, you know, is very strictly business. And that is very different from most Bond villains. Yeah. Good, good, uh, good actor, too, Michael Onsdale. He's, yes. he's been in a lot of oh, things yeah. that I really like. Uh, uh, he's one of several Bond actors that's in Munich. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I want to say, with we were talking about the tone. The first three quarters of the film, while well, we, we get to the space later, but it, it kind of is the only... Bond film of the 70s that gets that 70s tone that we were just talking about we like so much, but of the darkness and you know, things aren't so sunny from the era that the other films, the other Bond films really didn't pick up. It's funny given the uh, the fact that this, you know, movie was made because of how popular Star Wars was but yet we're still getting this arguably the dark, one of the darkest of the, of the Roger Moore films. Yeah. Would this be the uh, darkest of the Roger Moore films? Actually, sure. Um, I'm to, for your really eyes only is probably the darkest tone. Which one, sir? For your eyes only. Oh, for your eyes only. Because it, it takes itself. I mean, it goes way too serious. And there's the part where he kicks the guy off with the car on the edge. And yeah, I guess it's the most grounded of them too. So. Yes. yes, it's completely um, grounded. I was. I have to no. say, I, I was watching for your eyes only, and that that rock climbing sequence is pretty intense. It's it's hardcore. Um, no, I would say, I mean, Live and Let Die is a pretty vi- relatively violent picture. It's just, it's, there's not a lot of action. So it, it, it's, it's, Man with a Golden Gun is, well, awful. Um, Spy Who Loved Me is obviously a very, again, I don't want to say campy because that is it's a, adventure. It's an adventure film. Yeah, yeah, it's an adventure film. And then you've got this, which we're discussing right now. Oddly enough, you know, as campy as much of a view to a kill is, it's also a really violent film, especially in the last third of the picture. Um, you know, and it has a, you know, basically the action climax of a view to a kill is the mass slaughter of innocent people. You know, it's not Bond running around killing bad guys. It's not Bond running around defusing bombs. It's Christopher walking and machine gunning a bunch of innocent bystanders and laughing and, you know, flooding the place. And again, I wouldn't call the film dark, but again, for a film that is considered to be kind of goofy and campy, you know, it ends on a pretty dark note. I'm just happy that we can triple feature climaxes of X-Men The Last Stand, Rise of the Planet of the Apes, and A View to a Kill together and have some great Golden Gate Bridge scenarios. Indeed. Uh, uh, by the way, Scott, uh, the answer to your question of kills, I counted 16. Fair enough. Um, he's, got, but he's got a lot to go. There was, a, there was an article or uh, something came out where some guy calculated all of Bond's kills himself and has exact numbers, and with some of them, I, I am questioning them because I myself 
implying there's no way you can count all of them from some movies due to massive explosions set off by James Bond <laughs> yeah. in facilities, and this guy's got hard numbers. And well, yeah, especially like in the Brosnan ones, where he just you know blows the crap out of various facilities and just yeah. machine guns a crap load of people in any given scene. Yeah. Well, in Octo, at the beginning of Octopus, he blows up a hangar, and I I paused it. May I can't I couldn't figure out how many people were in there. Or the there was no tar- clear view. Or in Tomorrow Never Dies, where he kills all the terrorists ever. Yeah, that and yes. Goldeneye blows up the facility. I mean, yeah. Die Another Day sets everything like fire before he gets captured. Oh. I assume he killed everybody in the 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 Olympic Dome thing and the world is not enough. Whatever the Millennium Dome. Yes. I make that up, but still, that's that's a fun sequence. <laughs> um, but um, one one thing I think this has kind of a leg up on on its predecessor is Spy Who Loved Me because they're they're very, very similar films. But I personally like the location shooting on this one better. I can give you that. I think it's got. I think it's that, a lot the more higher bowing. the higher budget helps for sure. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I mean, before getting into space, we visit an assortment of exotic locales in this movie. <laughs> yeah, and and they're all they're all unique to themselves too. And I mean, Spider Love Me, we had what Egypt? Yeah, a lot of uh, just desert. And when they got to, uh... oh, what's his name? Strombergs. Uh, Strombergs uh, to visit him. That that was nothing special about where they were, other than getting out it's, to sea to space. But it's Berg. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. No, it was I mean, it was probably love me because that. I mean, I that is a favorite film of mine. Along with yes, I mean, so it's like you go from like snow to sand and like the secret underwater Atlantis base and um, all over the island stuff, and then you have like the all the ship stuff that's going on in that movie. Like, actually, you're right. There is a you know a large amount of you know uh, environments as opposed to locations. As you said, there's snow, there's sand, there's you know, water, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, this is hilarious. This is interesting. <laughs> oh. Was that Joaquin Phoenix henchman? You were right there. <laughs> How do you miss? He didn't go to knife school like Bond did, apparently. <laughs> Just one <laughs> one blade does it all. If I quote William Hurt, how do you F that up? <laughs> oh, History of Violence needs to be watched again, because I have not watched that in a while. Uh... Burial at sea. Yep. Ooh, I made a bond. <laughs> uh, Clean that up. <laughs> I, I always love these chase scenes when, like, the alternate bad guys come out of nowhere to keep the chase going. Exactly. <laughs> like, in ca- guys, guys, you got plan B, right? In case our, our lead henchman of this does not accomplish his task, you guys are right in the wings, right? You're ready? Ready to go? <laughs> well, in the event he turns this way, you'd be ready. Well, it's just based on the assassination of the Archduke of, uh, what was it, Hungary, the start of World War One, when there were like 600 plan A, B, C, Ds, and plan F actually worked? That's why, like, <laughs> The Spy Who Loved Me has a great, that great car chase where, like, it literally, like, every ver- every form of transportation comes after Bond in that sequence. It's well, like... uh, doesn't the music, too, like, the music starts to fade, but then, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that just, bring it back up. Helicopter, it's still going. It's just, it's, by the way, that soundtrack to Spy Who Loved Me by Marvin Hamlish is fantastic. It's awesome. That's so good. And I was like, so, because I never, before I read your wrap up, I never realized that he did, that uh, was Marvin Hamlet who did that, and then he just passed away recently. It's like, oh, that's really sad now. <laughs> Such a good score. <laughs> it's like this great, because it's like, what is it, seven, what's Philo? 77? Yes. 77. It's got a little bit of disco. Yeah, it's got some, it's got some disco. But it's, it's good stuff. 
And then, yeah, watching for your, for your eyes only, it's Bill Conti, and I'm like, oh, this is oh, it's horrible. It, it, it's horrible, but it's like, it's, it's, it's like, it's Bill yes. Conti, he did Rocky. Like, that's neat, I guess. Shirley Easton sings. <laughs> oh, here, here we go. Here's a, here's a fun thing. This is, uh, part two of the, uh, Drunken Guy with the Bottle trilogy. <laughs> there he is, right there. He appears in Spy Who Loved Me when Bond, uh, comes up by the beach in the car. He looks at his bottle he's drinking. And then he'll appear again in oh, D- double take pigeon shot, but double take. Uh, he appears again in Free Your Eyes Only uh, during the ski sequence. I feel like English directors love those kind of sight gags. Like it feels like a, like yeah. like a Richard Lester kind of gag too, where he's just like what, and he like looks at the thing that's like in their hand at that time as if that's what's causing them to see this crazy yeah. thing that's happening. I, I really <laughs> I feel like stop I, drinking. I feel like I only see that with like English directors from like 60s, 70s. Like that's like their thing. So like any other like if a Simpsons reference, they're referencing Richard Lester. Like that's what I think of when I see that kind of scene. <laughs> All right, so back to the glass shop. This uh, upcoming action sequence was actually supposed to be in The Spy Who Loved Me. Oh. In Cairo. It was supposed to happen in Cairo, and I think they, they dropped it and they use it here. Oh, weird. Um, it, it's interesting. There's all these sequences and planned action scenes that get dropped for other movies and appear in, like, five movies later. I've noticed that in this series, that they, they basically mix and match. And uh, here... Uh, this is uh, fun too. Um, the code on this door is the uh, five bars from Close Encounters. Ooh, which and, would have come uh, out like right around the same time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they, they had to get permission from Spielberg for it. And then when Goonies came around, Spielberg came asking for permission for the Bond theme. And uh, good old Cubster said. Uh, well, that's more than five bars, isn't it, Steven? Then <laughs> <laughs> Steven punched him. Yeah, and that was... And then, you know, shortly after they started talking about... Uh, I think they started talking about Free Rise Only around that time, but then uh, Steven got uh, Indiana Jones. I think that's popular uh, with the kids. <laughs> uh, it's interesting how many... You know, it... it how many you know classic pictures or classic franchises Spielberg almost took on but didn't? You know, he almost directed Superman. He almost directed a Bond film two or three times. Um, what do the rats do in this scenario? I don't know. Little do they know the scientists will become the rats themselves. Are they making portal guns? <laughs> They're never making portal guns. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. See, a lot of this picture is with uh, Roger Moore by himself like this. He'll meet up briefly with other people, but he pretty much carries this whole thing. He doesn't have a lot of dialogue. That's probably one of the reasons why. Um, And I think, you know, perhaps it's one of the reasons he's, I think he's actually pretty good in this. He doesn't have to act goofy around other people. Exactly. Because he's not, you know, nobody else is there. He's doing his job, you know, so to speak, the whole time. Um, you know, there aren't a lot of scenes where he, you know, again, he goes into a nightclub and orders, you know, 
a martini and flirts with somebody. No, he's pretty much strictly business from the beginning. I like the yeah. idea that, like, in this movie right now, people in the theater who, like, I've seen Star Wars, and they're like, I heard the new Bond movie, he goes to space! They're, like, watching this, they're like, when is he getting to space? What's all this waiting around stuff? What, Venice? That's not space, that's Italy, I think. I don't know. <laughs> it's a generational thing. Kids of the 70s hey. waited for Bond to go to space. Kids of the 80s waited for Jason to go to Manhattan. Yeah, I was and kids of the say, 2000s waited for Medea to go to jail. <laughs> oh, you've been saving that one for weeks, I bet. Actually, no. It just came up. I was going to say something about Jason, but... Yeah. Beat me to it. Kids of, the uh, 90s, no, kids of the 90s are waiting for Guffman. That's true, that's true. But no, uh, uh, Medea does spend about as much time in jail in that film as Jason spends in Manhattan. Oh, so like three She, she uh, goes to jail at the... Well, I've only seen the, the uh, stage production of Medea oh, goes I, I to jail. Uh, she goes to jail like very early on in it and is out. Uh, that's not the movie. She's She gets in trouble with the law around the end of the first act, but actually doesn't go to jail till the end of the second act. What to get away from Medea for a second? Getting back, to, <laughs> getting, getting back to the the darkness that is Moonraker. We just watched two scientists helplessly die in a lab. Because Bond left, because Bond left something unattended. <laughs> Basically, yes. Nice going, James. At least he doesn't cry like Vin Diesel did when he saw a scientist being gassed. Right? Isn't that's always an odd scene in Triple X? He was like, "Why is?" I like it. That's one of the reasons that yeah, that's one of the things I like about the film. The film, which overall I don't care for, but that when he you know he's not a spy, so when he sees this horrible violence, he reacts to it. Um. And now we have Roger Moore once again pretending he can do martial arts. He grabbed the stick and threw the guy, so that seemed to work once. And he's running. This is where Roger Moore fights a giant bull in a china shop. Ooh, symbolism. I didn't catch that. Is he, is he aiming for the China? He's just clearing room. He's, that makes sense. He's clearing room like uh, just like in Ghostbusters when they clear out the, 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 the ballroom. He's just making space so they can fight. So was, was Die Another Day's sword fight a homage to this? <laughs> uh, no, I think it's just dumb on principle. <laughs> it was it was a Madonna's existence, I assume, right? Yes. It's like, we need a sword fight in this Bond picture, guys. Come on. I'm writing the song. I know what I'm talking about. Actually, if you're being Madonna, you should have a pretend British accent. <laughs> um, by the way, I, I, you know, now that the Adele song has come out, I'm sort of listening to the old Bond songs again. And, I, you, you know, I've, I've been on record as defending Die Another Day as being, you know, bad but not that bad compared to some of the sillier Bond songs. No. And I'd like to apologize for that. Yeah, you're wrong. Uh, I listened to it again. <laughs> Completely Sigmund awful. Freud. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Is that... <laughs> I, I was very, very wrong. I, I will say that it works in the opening title sequence. I kind of like yes, it. Yes, it, works, I... it works there, but as a set, like, as its own thing, it's like, no, I don't know. And maybe that's why I defend it, because I'd only heard it there. I don't think it works at all, but that's just me. Okay. And actually, in a related note, you know, we were talking about this before the commentary started. I have also recently discovered the Chris Cornell... Casino Royale song, which I absolutely love now. I think it's terrific. You Know My Name? Is that the name of the yes. song? Yes. Uh, and that's another one that I only listened to once or twice when the movie came out that I never really paid attention to, but it's, for me anyway, it's incredibly catchy. 
Uh, and I have to retroactively apologize for not counting it among my favorite Bond themes. I, I agree that it's catchy, and I think I like the way that it plays, and much like all the Bond songs do, it plays into the score well, and I like how that yes. works out. Uh, but I don't know. I think I'm just, I just like my songs brassy, I guess. So that's, Fair enough. It's, no, it's, I agree. Um, and it makes no sense, like any good Bond song. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the lot. You know, there's no narrative logic whatsoever. Uh, there's more than something like this, like Moonraker. <laughs> um, yeah, but that's. Um, is this guy gonna fly out the window? He better fly out the window. I mean, it, oh yeah, he's flying out the window. Oh, yeah. He's going out. The, the you don't set up. You don't. You don't window. show that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, if Shanghai Knights has taught me anything, it's that the window is going to be used like this one. Exactly. Unless you're Spike or Spy Captain, or what is it? Sky Captain in the World of Tomorrow, yes. where we have a giant fight at the edge of a diabol- you know, a giant abyss, and the bad guy doesn't get thrown in the abyss at the end. The movie was ahead of its time, Scott. No, no, it was just wrong. <laughs> no, you did you? No. <laughs> um, hey, goodhead. I've always found her relatively attractive. I, uh, I like the professional demeanor, and she has nice Lois Lane air. Um. And I like the fact that she doesn't, you know, the character is not particularly, she doesn't particularly try to be sexy, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, she's, 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 a, she's an actual, like, woman that has knowledge about the thing that she does. Yeah. You can buy her as an undercover CIA operative. Exactly. Uh, I like, you know, I, I, and I'm sure I speak for you guys as well. I prefer the bo- quote-unquote Bond girls that, you know, aren't trying to be swimsuit models. I, I like them, yeah, I like them best when they, you know, work in the plot and you believe they work into the plot. Oh. I mean, Ursula Andrews may not be the best actress, but I like the way that she fits into Dr. No. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. She just happens to be there. Yeah. <laughs> collecting coconuts. But, like, they killed her father or something. <laughs> they, they touch on that, but nothing comes of it. I mean, it's it's brushed across. And then, instead of just killing her, let's chain her next to this drain that's flooding. I mean, I'm going to play the full frontal nudity card as well. I mean, the, the... Uh, Anyway, good head. Is that like their secret spy perfume or whatever? He's finding she has many gadgets, just like his. Go, go, gadget perfume. Whoa! Oh, that wasn't funny, James. Yeah. <laughs> what does this bed do? That was the next, that was the next question. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anna, what's that? It's used to watch television. Do you need like what about this newfangled invention called cable? Cobble? <laughs> no, you fool, cable. I do like how a couple minutes ago where she asked him, she asked if he was writing down his telephone number. Because apparently the telephone is a newfangled invention and nobody says phone. <laughs> Have you ever asked anyone for their telephone number? Uh, maybe. You wouldn't say, like, phone number? Anyway, whatever. Uh, I don't speak that jive, Scott. <laughs> and now they're going to have sex. At least here he's kind of earned it, I guess. 
He actually looks up. Is he? Is it just me, or is he a little thinner in this film than some of the other ones? I think it's just because he's wearing because black is slimming for one thing. So yeah, that, I mean, he's he, but he is he's wearing this outfit and not like a big stuffy suit or his commander yeah, his, that, his, com- his commander uniform from Spy Who Loved Me, which he has uh-huh. on a lot by the way in that movie. When I when I think of Roger Moore, I think of him as slightly puffier. Um, and obviously, part of that's you know from you know View to a Kill when he's six hundred years old. Yeah. Um, but you know, for what it's worth, in this movie, he actually looks somewhat. He looks fit. Attractive. Yeah, he's fit. Yeah. I mean, he has to go into space. He better be fit. He's got to be. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. I uh, going through some older reviews of View to a Kill when I was doing that one. I, I found one hilarious that claimed that he was in his best shape ever as Bond <laughs> physically. Oh. You might have been looking at the stunt double, sir. I, I think they said those same reviews in uh, Spice World. I think I saw the same. Uh... <laughs> Things people should know. Roger Moore is in Spice World. Yes. I did not know and, that. And Boat Trip. And Boat Trip, yes. That's very sad. It's okay. It's not LXG. So. Wasn't uh, Lazenby in the like Red Shoe Diaries or something like that? <laughs> well, so was well. David and Company. Yeah. This is a newfangled invention called the gas mask. I'm trying to think of embarrassing Pierce Brosnan movies, and all I have is... Dante's Peak? That's not terrible. It's... No, he really doesn't have any truly embarrassing... I mean, he's kind of goofy in Mamma Mia, but yeah. you know, the movie itself is fine. Um, and even that, I would argue that it's just that, you know, it's not a particularly well-directed movie and, you know, he was directed to both, you know, he was directed to very theatrically lip sync while being filmed in extreme close-up, uh, which is a lethal combination. <laughs> and I actually saw that movie very, very early. Um, and I knew right away, oh God, Pierce Bronson is going to get massacred for this. And it isn't entirely his fault. And sure enough, he got massacred for it. Uh, but he did do a better job than Chris Klein. Uh, um, Lazenby was in a string of uh, Emmanuel TV movies. Emmanuel? Emmanuel. It's this little softcore uh, type series that shows on Cinemax a lot. Oh, fair enough. Oh, Pierce playing, playing Mario. And also, fun note, uh, Lazenby was also in an episode of Freddy's Nightmares. <gasps> oh, we have a winner. Yeah. Or a loser. Pierce Brosnan was a centaur in Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief. That's true, and as awful as that movie is, to be fair, he was there to bring Gravitas to the picture and make it seem better than it actually was. And then you reveal that his lower half is a horse, and that fails. To be fair, I was tricked into seeing that movie because of the cast. It's a good cast. Yes. And, you know, as a, a Chris Columbus defender, I thought, okay... He did a pretty good job in the first two Harry Potter films. What can go wrong? The answer, everything. Uh, right here, I love the... Uh, it's Bernard's last film, and uh, Roger Moore and him get a little personal moment as Bond's taken off the case, but he kind of winks at him to keep going. Yeah, that's nice. With his investigation. Is that the last we saw? Showing their no, it's not personal... The... No, because no, we see him uh, at we'll... the end. Or... Yeah. Here's a, here's a question about Spy Who Love Me, just thinking of Bond villains. Um... Stromberg in that film, I think I've read that. Is he supposed to have webbed hands? Yeah, he's supposed to have like webbed uh, webbed hands, and I I I've not noticed it. I, yeah, because I was watching intensely. There's Jaws. I was watching intense. <laughs> that's a low eyeballs English director comedy. Um, 
<laughs> I, I feel like I was I was looking out for the webbed hands this time because I always try to do that with the Bond movies and like maybe I, there's no I I have not seen the Spy Who Loved Me Blu-ray yet so maybe I'll be able to see more pronounced to webbed hands but that's what I was looking out for in that movie and it's like he he does sit a lot I don't think I do I I, don't, I can't even recall seeing him walk around that much in the Spy Who Loved Me I think he uh, takes about five steps yeah he seems very comfortable sitting it's a comfy chair yeah, in in Atlantis um. If I recall, uh, Strom- Stromberg, right? Yes. That his name? Yes. He was supposed to be Blofeld in the original script or whatever. Yes. But curse you, Kevin McClory, that didn't quite happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you realize there's a good chance that if Kevin McClory were still alive, he would have eventually made a Bond film with Clive Owen? I, hmm. I, I'd watch that. I would, too. I'd be, I was saying that for a while, like, when before they cast Daniel Craig. It's like, where is yeah. Clive Owen's card? Oh, yeah, that that's... You know, I've always made jokes that he's sort of sitting in the back, you know, like, you know, pick me, pick me, you know, when Daniel Craig eventually leaves. But I will say, you know, looking back at it, Clive Owen has had a far more interesting career than Daniel Craig. Uh, he's played a lot of really interesting characters in a lot of really interesting movies. Okay, while right. Daniel Craig has made Cowboys and Aliens. And uh, Daniel House. Craig has become a marquee name. <laughs> Clive Owen should have been, but... Um, he, he, fits in that Jason, that, he fits in that Jason Statham category of like you like yeah. him, you like seeing him, but damn it if no one ever like says like Clive Owen. Like it's, I do. I mean, he had his chance to be you know up there. I mean, with casual regular audiences. I, mean, I know, I know. But I mean, as far as Daniel Craig, I mean, yeah, he gets named you know his name on the in the, the marquee, but he can't open an envelope other than the Bond films. Uh, and I I worry, I don't worry. I mean, it's not my business. You know what's going to happen to him once he's not Bond anymore. Because he really doesn't, I think, you know, he's going to have a real problem being a movie star in anything other than Bond. Because, uh, dear God, he was awful on Saturday Night Live. Oh, my God. He was pretty stiff. Uh, uh, he was January Jones bad. Um, <laughs> it was, but. what's funny about that is because I, 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 I don't do Saturday Night Live very well. I get bored very easily by it. But regardless of how stiff Daniel Craig seemed, I it held my interest for a good majority of it, so I was impressed at that, oh. that matter. It's been very good this year, actually. Slow-motion plane crashes have that effect. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> no, I, I was embarrassed for him. I, I couldn't watch. Uh, I mean, they, they do a scene set in an Irish pub, or a British That's pub. That's the and, worst one, yeah, because he was like, yeah, his cue card. Bill Hayden's was... got a better English accent than he does. <laughs> we're in Panama now, by the way, and I like that we're Again, yeah, like yeah. as you said, Brandon, yeah, there are some nice exotical cows here. And it's pretty- yeah. This film's actually very colorful in spots. Like right here, it's a giant rainbow of color. It is, yeah, which is um, which is funny because it, because it's so dark in terms of the content that we've seen so far in terms of how people have died. Yet we are getting a yes. very lively movie, and it's very well filmed, and it's utilizing a lot of really cool locations. It's like the kick-ass of Bond films. It's really dark, but very colorful. That's it. I always find this incredibly creepy, because Jaws is in one of those costumes. Yeah, the, the alleyway the alleyway scene is terrifically yeah. shot, directed, everything. Which is which I think is the same as Fire Love Me, which is also very... I mean, think, as, as, as fun as Jaws may seem, like people like that character and he's fun to be with, he's a creepy person when he's like on his mission, he's doing his thing, when he's like stalking after one person and coming after you. Like, he's, he's trying to kill you with his... His, his razor sharp teeth, like that's that that could be terrifying, I'd imagine. Oh yeah. Um. Again, you know, adding credence to the idea that this is actually a pretty, you know, dark picture. Um. In fact, I don't remember, but is she going to die? No, no. Oh, okay. She gets saved at the last minute. 
Yeah. Fair enough. But, like, that's creepy. <laughs> yeah, this is creepy. That is pretty creepy. Get out of Derry while you still can. Bond looks pretty good in that tux, too. Yeah, Roger Moore does look pretty good in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and again, I haven't, I haven't watched the other Roger Moores in a few years. I mean, we watched A View to a Kill a couple weeks ago just for fun, but that's not, you know... For fun, that... you guys love it. <laughs> <laughs> Mendelssohn family classic. Indeed. As we dance into the fire. <laughs> singing, singing Duran Duran. <laughs> That is one. That is still one of the better Bond songs. Well, it's a damn good song because uh, that's, yeah, that that's a song you listen to on the radio and be like, yeah, yeah I'm you gonna just, blast. Yeah, you can't put that on the car stereo and not headbang while you're driving. Ah, <laughs> uh, which or make very the hand much, motions exactly, uh, which confuses my children. Better day. Um, and I, I again, I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago when the title was first announced, but did they realize how much Star Trek Into Darkness? You know, sounded like Dance Into the Fire when spoken out loud. Stop Trek into, into Darkness. What was it you said, Brandon? The Fatal Sounds of Broken Beams? Yes. The Fatal Sounds of Broken Beams. Star Trek Into Darkness. Okay. <laughs> now back to this Jaws thing. Like, that's crazy. Like, he's about to murder this woman. And, like, and, like these people come. And he's like, yeah, let's dance and stuff. And you're like, he's, she's being clutched by this guy who's going to ruthlessly murder her if he gets the chance to. He's kind of tall. Yeah, he's, he's a little tall. <laughs> is he still alive? Yes, he is. Yes. Excellent. He's. It seems like he's in good health. Well, he probably works out. I mean, I'm calling back to Happy Gilmore for my knowledge on this, but that's, you know, eight. He's in Happy thing. Gilmore? Yeah. He's oh, the, yeah. the foreman in Happy Gilmore who, like, oh. who Happy, like, shot in the head with a, with a, with a, with a nail and then became, like, <laughs> friends at the end and he, he, to be, he went after Shooter McGavin. <laughs> to be fair, I'm not a hardcore Adam Sandler fan. I've only seen that film once, okay. right when it first came out on the video. Adam said, because as much as I, Dislike Adam Sandler movies now. Happy Gilmore's movie I could put on and just laugh hysterically at still. I, Fair enough. It fits into that like Tommy Boy realm of like nineties <laughs> fun comedies that just don't mean anything more than having harmless fun. Um, well, I will say something, and, and Brandon, you actually mentioned this off an article that I'd written a couple weeks ago that you know back in the nineties you would have a successful comedy, and instead of making a sequel, they would just get the whole gang together and make another movie. Yes, and they should you know, do that nowadays. Exactly. Just, you know, they wouldn't make the Hangover too. They just bring you know everybody together and do something else. Exactly. Caddyshack, Stripes, Ghostbusters. Yeah. Like, let's do that movie. Like, but they were kind of uh, doing that. You could argue they were doing that in the mid knots. I mean, with like the Apatow gang, like having yeah. Siegel and uh, Rogan and all those guys just doing, you know, Virgin and not knocked up and all those. Like. Which is, I guess, a way of saying I really don't think we need to see a Ted two. <laughs> Ted, Ted, <laughs> Ted, talk to. <laughs> as much as I love the first, you know, Ted, I think it's brilliant. I don't want to see a sequel. Um, you just needed another Seth MacFarlane live action comedy. Exactly. Uh, I don't even think cast is important. Add, adding one. on to Richard Keel's career, he actually, Happy Kilmore is like one of the last like movies he was in. He was, he was in um, Inspector Gadget, apparently. And the movie? Wasn't he like a Jaws? Yeah, he was like he was like a Jaws like character, and then he's a, he's done a lot of voice work. Like he did voice work in Tangled. I know he was in he played Jaws again, and I believe in one of the Bond games, maybe a couple of the Bond games for that matter. But um, yeah, he he really hasn't been active as an actor mm. in films very often. 
Yeah, to be fair, this was, you know, 30, you know, some, you know, yeah. 35 years, yeah, almost it, 35 years ago. Cer- yeah, I mean, he's certainly a very recognizable figure for various reasons, so it's not, yeah. Oh. I mean, he's at, he's, he's lurch. Inspector Gadget is another movie that I saw once, hated, and never saw again. Yep. That broke my heart. Oh. Oh. Good head. That's oh, a that's an awkward look. She has a lot of awkward looks in this movie. This leads to another like creative action sequence. We have a giant, was like a tram truck. It's not. It, it's tram. good. It's. I think it's kind of a little better in concept than execution, but I, it's still good. I can agree with that. But yeah, I mean, I, and I, a guy, a guy almost died during it. So he fell off and was hanging for dear life. Yeah. I, you would probably know this. Has anyone actually ever been killed making a Bond film? Yes, right. In um, uh, I think it for for your eyes only, someone died trying to do that the bobsled scene. Huh. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. I'm nothing's coming out in my head right away, but I'm pretty sure someone died in for. I mean, in for your eyes only, like during the when they were making that whole like ski chase. See, there's a lot of ski chases in Bond movies, by the way. <laughs> Is that me? Yep, that's that's that was loud. Oh, I'm gonna, that was loud sorry, <laughs> that I didn't type anything. Right. Anyway, we're getting we're getting to uh, to Jaws, who's about to just use his teeth to to he's gonna bite a cable. Yes. Which Why is not? actually when he bites it, it's actually licorice. Yum. Now, is it real licorice or is it the fake crap you get in the movie theaters? <laughs> uh, it's, just, it's probably the finest licorice. <laughs> Uh, organic, locally grown licorice. Like, hmm, I think I shall bite this. No, this, this is a this is a, a fine action sequence. It's relatively original. I can't recall offhand any. I mean, was there anything like this in Spy Who Loved Me? Uh, in, ter- no. in terms of what? Sorry. The, this kind of action sequence. Oh. Uh, no. no. Uh. But no, I can't, I can't think of any other Bond film that has this particular set piece in it. I mean, the helicopter thing at the beginning of Your Eyes Only are you... Oh, that's, that's just so. mean. Here we go. Um, in February, for Your Eyes Only, in February 1981, on the, on the final day of filming the bobsleigh chase, one of the stuntmen driving a sleigh, 23-year-old Paolo Riggin, was killed when he became trapped under the bob. That's a shame. Yeah. I would be surprised if there, I mean, I imagine there's always injuries and stuff like this for just giant action spectacles. But I wouldn't be surprised if there were, may have been other deaths associated with a Bond film or two. I love this line. <laughs> Not socially. He kills people. Succinct. <laughs> why, why is Telly Savalo's stunt double the operator of the train? <laughs> is that both? Very bloated. Let itself go. <laughs> oh yes. Well, eventually he will get so large he will lose the use of his legs and have to be in a wheelchair. And a uh, a neck garter. Yes, neck garter as well. See, logically, this would be the place to kill Jaws. But alas, 
No, Jaws, Jaws needed love. That's what people were saying. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone was saying that. People... Although, according to you, Brandon, the kids liked him. Is that what happened? Yeah, he was supposed to be brought back as, like, you know, nefarious villain here. But Lewis, Lewis Gilbert got a lot of letters uh, from children wanting Bond to be an... Uh, helper to Bond, and he complied. What kids were writing letters to say, we like Jaws, but we want him to help Bond in the next Bond picture, so they like, what kids writing English directors this? <laughs> well, in re- in retrospect, that's a lot better than looking at comment boards on internet I guess nowadays. So, yeah. I guess I, I, I'd rather have happy true. kids liking the movies than <laughs> what I see now. That's, that's funny. Uh. <laughs> But, I mean, they had fan clubs, you you wrote to, I mean, back, I mean, when we were kids, Scott, we had the, you know, they would list, like, a place to send letters yes. to people. And you, had, you had official you got, movie magazines and poster books. You, you usually you had, get back, like, a, a headshot with a printed autograph on it. Yes. Um, and, of course, they didn't do this for Bond, but, of course, you know, for things like, you know, the Nightmare on Elm Street series, yeah, they had 900 numbers. You'd call, like, to listen to Freddy Krueger or something. It's, oh, yeah. Uh, I guess they had a whole subgenre of just one 900 numbers you could call to hear. It wasn't even, like, you know, listen to attractive women talking to you or whatever. It was, like, listen to Freddy Krueger or, you know. It was a special message. Yeah. I guess, it's just funny uh, that, like, someone's writing not to Roger Moore or not to, like, Cubby Broccoli, but they're writing to English director Lewis Gilbert. Like, that's, yes. that's, that's, that's funny. Uh, it might have just been the fan mail at, uh... You know, Eon Productions, productions. or, you know, or somebody, you know, writing and, you know, the studio head being like, hey, the kids. Well, that's why you should should never listen to children. Because you'll get hop ons. Um, These are the same children that decided that back in the run of Batman the Amid series that Harley Quinn was a role model for girls. Thus, we shouldn't portray her as an an abused girlfriend anymore. Which is why when the show moved to WB, you basically saw a complete change in the relationship where it was very much, you know, a give and take where, you know, he would pick on her and she would pick on him right back. As opposed to the whole point of the original relationship, which was that he was, you know, she was his abused girlfriend. You know, perhaps heavy stuff for a kid's cartoon, but, you know, they should have, you know, said to girls that were fighting her a role model, uh, she kills people, so we're going to write her however we want. Anyway. It's also it's also why you don't test screen um, Halloween Six: The Curse of Michael Myers to fourteen year olds. I gotta say that uh, the tiny girlfriend for Jaws, because you needed a tiny girlfriend, would she's quite she was stacked in that. <laughs> I did not realize that yeah. before. She's quite stacked. And I don't mind that moment as a punchline to that action sequence because Jaws usually ends in a punchline. Yeah, he, he dusts himself him. off and walks away. But they, they bring her along. Oh, not so much in great shape now. <laughs> and here's where they uh, reenact one of my favorite cliffhangers from the 60s Batman television show. Strapped to a gurney and coming out the back. Uh, where King Tut straps Bruce Wayne. Oh, the old King Tut. Gurney and falls out the back in the, uh, yeah, flies out of the back of an ambulance. Speaking of the old Batman show... Uh, actually, it happened just this evening before I came on. My daughter is under; she's five years old, and she's under the impression that the only actual Batman song that is theme song that is right is the '60s Batman show. <laughs> so she demands that I sing the quote "Na na 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 Batman," and anytime I try to hum anything else, she gets really mad at me. Mm. It's 
Actually, kind of annoying. Just but here at the same time. This guard must be so lonely, where he's like welcoming the advances of two captors in the back of his ambulance. Like <laughs> she's making. I think he's going to get fired. And Bond's like yeah. looking at him, and he's like, "I'm somewhat just happy to see me." <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love the old trope of the the woman eyeing the guy, the, <laughs> the bad guy, like, "Oh, you know what?" She's so so desperate for love. Okay, so clearly Seven Up paid a lot of money to be referenced in this movie because I've seen yeah. half of quite. And Seiko. Yes, I've seen like three Seven Ups Barbara. in the past. <laughs> I guess this was this was an expensive movie though because they go into space. How? To my recollection, the Bond films were always legendary for their product placement. Uh, to the point where, if I recall, Tomorrow Never Dies actually made up its entire production budget through product placement. Hmm. So it basically had $100 million worth of product placement. Oh, they killed that guy. That was mean. He's Why didn't they have that be the Marlboro? <laughs> He's just unconscious. Um, You're never going to catch the ambulance, James. <laughs> and again? once again, him and Goodhead are separated. And once again, they could have... Oh, nice outfit, James. <laughs> Uh, uh, he was Lawrence of Arabia in the previous entry. Yeah, so no, he's, no, he's the man. Doesn't quite pull that off. <clears throat> Where'd he get the horse? Do they not take his wallet when they beat him up and capture him? He, huh. he, he got a business card from somebody in Panama about <laughs> finding the, a horse when needed. He probably had some gold bullions hidden. Oh, somewhere. there you go. He had gold bullions hidden. <laughs> 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 maybe Bond probably just knows a series of different kinds of whistles he can blow out and like call different animals to his aid when he needs them. Fighting months. Why not? <laughs> Who rehearsed the scene? <laughs> <laughs> what's what's the work today, guys? Oh, we're going to be dressed up in monk uniforms fighting each other. <laughs> He can't just walk in here. He's, he must stumble upon two monks kung fuing each other. Why? Because it's awesome. I'm happy the money bunny <laughs> came along for the ride. Like she gets to go to Panama. That's nice. Why does she come along for the ride? Because she's going to Panama. Wait, what? M, if M goes somewhere, she goes as well. And now Q's there too. Balls joke. I mean, don't they have other agents to keep an eye on? I love this gadget, by the way. Like, what? What? <laughs> what does one need this? Like, I feel like if you get wrapped around your neck with bolas, you're probably already in a bad situation. But the fact that there's explosives on the end of it. <laughs> Cutting budget. Yeah. Q's so happy about this, though. He's all excited. Well, well he got out of the office. Yeah. Ain't no attention to that. Foreshadow. Ew. Something that does not happen to anyone in the course of this film. <laughs> Oh, that's what's going to happen to Drax. If they really no. want, if they really wanted to bring it around to make this movie as dark as possible, then yes, we probably would have seen melting corpses at the end of the movie, Raiders of the <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark style. Uh, and now, at long last, they explain the plot and what's going on. <laughs> so it wasn't Drax. No, it was Blofeld. <laughs> I like how they have the... Okay, you don't need an element breakdown. It's poison. <laughs> but Bond has to know. It's poison. It will kill you. That's all you need to know, James. 
Don't eat it. <laughs> You're going to be covering Earth with this poison. Oh. And now our second boat chase in one movie. Have I been wow. saying Panama? They're in Rio, aren't they? Yes, they are. I've been saying Panama. My bad. <laughs> and there's a cool boat chase coming up. Again, we're we're basically toward the end of the second act of this picture, and it's a perfectly good Bond film. Yeah, that's um, all the staples. Yeah, it's yes, it is a bit down to earth. It's it's. Not particularly, I mean, again, the, the characters aren't particularly colorful, I would argue, other than Jaws. But that's, I would argue, a good thing. Um, and we've still got about, what, 20, 30 minutes before they even go into space? Yep. I think Bond's on the right trail. This is one of those elaborate chases, too, again, where he has all these different means of trying to catch somebody were they to happen to be on the <laughs> on this particular river. <laughs> Well, it's like the old Carbon San Diego games. You know, you're on the right track when they come after you with mis missiles in their boats. It is a sweet boat, though. It is. Do we get another boat before <laughs> World is Not Enough? Like another boat, like like a gadget boat? Uh, I don't um, think so. No. no, you get a regular boat and license to kill. Yeah. Yes. Oh! Oh! oh. That's at least three people right there. Yeah, look at those dummies fly. <laughs> Are those dummies or stunt dummies? <laughs> They're crash dummies. Oh, okay. They have totally different hair than the other dummies. Oh, there's Route B. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have just sent all of those out at one time. I hope this is in the upcoming 007 Legends game. Elaborate boat chase. What is that game? I've heard a bit about it. It's a bit, it's it's basically it's like a it's a standard Bond game, but all the missions are based off previous films, and so you're basically playing Bond adventures throughout the decade. Oh, that's cool. It seems like a cool idea, and I hope it turns out to be good because I do like myself a, a good Bond game. I'm sure they'll have the viol the violin snow chase in the Living Daylights. Yeah, I believe they name most of the movies that are supposed to be in it actually. Oh, ouch! See, brutal. That was almost gore. Yeah. There we go. To achieve the single-player campaign will be include one mission from each of the six actors' eras, Goldfinger, Majesty's Secret Service, Moonraker, License to Kill, Die Another Day, and Skyfall, which will be downloadable content. So Die Another Day, including a classic. I know, yeah, the classic. I was say, all, I mean, we like Moonraker, but nobody else does. Die Another Day, Moonraker, and... I think it's because they've already done Bond, Bond like, move, like games of the other move. Like, they've done... Well, they did all. Guess, they did, like all the Pierce Brosnan ones had their own game. Like, that's true. Uh, what's the one for uh, Sean Connery? Uh, Goldfinger. Yeah, that makes sense. And they've already done a for Russell with Love game, so it's like yeah, can't really call back to that. And Doctor No would just be him walking around and acting cool. So <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, there fight with Doctor No for ten seconds. There would be like a, I guess, a sweet volcano level if they did you only live twice. Well, you think they do the underwater thunderball thing? Yeah, ninjas. Yeah, ninja fights. By the way, I love the Jaws look in his eye where he's like, I'm going to go over this cliff now. <laughs> Dude. This is just like Crystal Skull. And look at those. 
That would have been a logical place to kill off Jaws, but no. Nope. You don't kill off Jaws. Yeah. Uh, he he lives to die another day. Oh no. No. <laughs> oh. You're right. Bond really did not nail this landing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, any landing you can walk away from. He blows a lot of landings in these films. The the plane crash in GoldenEye is not exactly his proudest moment either. Uh. And like this just leads to like another like elaborate death scenario, right? Where they there's like gonna be like giant snakes, right? Or some or like is, big is, boa constrictor. Big boa constrictor, yeah. Is, is he wearing pajamas? Bond? Nice. Oh yeah. It looks kinda like he's wearing pajamas. They're 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 um <laughs> It's a speed suit. Oh. Ooh, a rainbow. Mm. Random hot women. This isn't a trap. It's too humid for bras. <laughs> oh, wow. The new Bond game has Michael Lonsdale as the voice of Hugo Drax. <laughs> he does his own voice. And it has Jaws. With Richard Keel? Richard Keel. Cool. And, of course, Daniel Craig and Judy Dench. And... Oh, that's neat. I'd like to hang with Judy Dench in a recording studio, see her do a, a voice for, for her own game characters. Uh, she'll probably get an Oscar nomination for it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh... Okay, so here we have a nice little elaborate You Only Live Twice-like set. They sure did a terrible job of leading him right to the evil fortress. Or an amazing job of leading him right to the evil fortress. Oh, it's the girl from the glass shop. At this point, Bond's like, wait a minute. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I vaguely recognize them. Like, wow, it's like every woman I've seen in this entire picture. Apparently all the women are in on it. They're new. Yeah. New. For for Drax choosing, you know, only the best of the best of the best, sir, like, he, he's certainly racially diverse, so that's nice. Yes. I mean, he's, he's not a Nazi, so... He knows perfection. When he it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no! The one rock! <laughs> <laughs> They've lured me to this exact spot! How clever they are! I should have noticed the giant X. I would like to think there are a couple rocks that could do that, but we don't know. <laughs> What's the name of the Jungle Book boa constrictor? Uh, that's a terrific question. It's like a K. Uh... You can look it up. I apparently make noise when I do it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> Okay, shouldn't at least a few of those women have guns just in case he gets out? They are so turned on by all this, they have no time. They're astronauts. They, they, aren't, uh, they aren't soldiers. Yeah. They're trying to go into space and then reproducing. That's it. Ka. That's the name of the state. Speaking of the Jungle Book, random digression, 
Am I the only one that thinks that that uh, Stephen Summers' The Jungle Book is kind of awesome? I think it's awesome. Fair enough. Well, what's it, okay, is it, you never have watched it. Is it Jason Scott? Yes. That movie and that movie has some really cool action in it. Like at the end, oh yeah, with the one of the more one of the more violent PG movies you've seen in a while. Uh, and like it has wow. that whole like that sand chamber thing where like it fills yes. up with sand and like I think is it Jason Fleming's like the guy that or like and, yeah and like is is it evil Carrie Elwes in that movie too like, yes <laughs> and he is awesome. This is the closest it gets to being campy. You have disrupted all my attempts to make an amusing death for you. Which is a line I love, by the way. I love that track. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because you, you yeah. Guys, we've literally just watched Bond, like, escape all these different scenarios that could have resulted in his demise. And he's like, what's with this guy? Like, I have, I have all these henchmen doing all this stuff, and no one's doing anything. Like, you can't pull and he's, he's genuinely annoyed about it, too. I know, that. No pleasure whatsoever. I mean, I, I will say, I don't want to be too vulgar here, but he's surrounded by all these very attractive women. I think he needs to get laid. <laughs> Well, that's his plan once he gets to space. Yeah, yeah, but he needs to do it now. He's very uptight. He's he's he patience is a virtue, Scott. Eh, well, he fails, so <laughs> obviously he did something wrong. I don't hey, think once once you've once you've uh, once you've had sex at zero gravity, there's no going back. Let's not go pointing out who failed here. He did everything he did, and it worked. It's just Bond happened to get there, also. Like every, everything, part of it is his plan works. Yeah, his his mistake was stealing back one of the Moonraker shuttles. I guess so. No one would have been on to him. No one would have been on to him. That said, without that slight hiccup, his plan does go off without a hitch, pretty much. Pretty much. He did not launch his giant space station and get all these beautiful women to come aboard it and be in part of this huge space Atlantis, or whatever he calls it. Draxylvania. I think that's what, that's what he calls it, right? Does he actually call it Draxylvania? No, he doesn't call it Draxylvania, oh, okay. but that would be amazing. Because he should if he doesn't. Draxylvania. Remember the old GoldenEye 64 game where this is one of the bonus levels where you play the... Uh... Yes. And I was like, that's cool, I guess. It doesn't make any sense, but why not? Uh, God, I missed that game. And know that newfangled version is not the same. Okay, guys, so we're finally getting to go to space here in a little bit. We still got some minutes to wait. We... Finally! There's another elaborate death sequence that Bond has to escape before we go to space, but it's... Oh, yes. I want him to go into space now. No one gave Jaws a towel. He's, like, soaking wet. <laughs> <laughs> it's not one towel in, in this whole, like, underground lake. Where is this place? Like, there's in the rocks. <laughs> and it's a good thing they're so close to a, a space shuttle liftoff, by the way. I'm glad they can stand Um... It, just to point this out, that the uh, the book of Moonraker, uh, aside from the name Hugo Drax, doesn't really resemble this movie at all. Um, and the, the the Bond movie that actually does resemble it more is Die Another Day. Huh. Which is uh, yeah. Um, but the book book is another one that revolves around a card game, from what I've gathered, hmm. trying to uh, find a flaw in. Drax's character, and his his whole plot is more or less um, shooting some missiles off. Um, not not a whole lot of space, but the, the things that carry over the character Hugo Drax and uh, the the scene we're about to see with uh, him and Goodhead trapped under the rocket, another death trap. Were the 
were the first cup few Bond films relatively faithful to the novels, or at least I, I know from Russia, from Russia with the lo- from Russia with love. Apparently, is very very close to the novel because Jack Kennedy was like, "You guys gonna make this one." Um, but I think Dr. Knows Up is kind of the same, but a bit different. Uh, Live and Let Die ideas are there, but it's not too much the same. Um, I've heard, I've heard Dr. Knows, like, there's like little differences here and there, but yeah, I think it, it falls. Yeah. Uh, You Only Live Twice is nothing like the book. I've heard that. Uh, Thunderball is pretty much it's pretty close to the book. On Her Majesty's Secret Service is very, very, very much the book. Uh, um, Diamonds Are Forever, not really. Uh, Live and Let Die, yes and no. Man with the Golden Gun, yes and no. Uh, Spy Who Loved Me, I believe, is not. Yeah, Spy Who Loved Me is very different. I hear. like especially like in the second like half of that movie. I think it's. Yeah, it's that's the first one where it just started becoming more ideas from books were getting placed. Yeah, but, like uh, some of the books, um, like what happens to Felix Leiter in License to Kill is actually in the Live and Let Die book. Shark, um, he gets bitten by sharks. Yeah, he gets bitten by sharks, and and also in For Your Eyes Only when uh, Bond and. Uh, Carol Bouquet, uh, Bouquet's character are dragged behind in the boat is in Live and Let Die the Book. More sharks? More sharks. Gotta have sharks. It's interesting. I I, I wonder if there would be a, a market or audience, whatever, for going back and actually being faithful to the original texts. I think they can. I wouldn't mind it. Well, like Casino, yeah. Casino Royale, I mean, it's, that's not... Like does that that one like I mean besides being kind of more sensationalized given like the, the large scale of the action sequences doesn't it fairly stick fairly close to like the actual plot of the book? Yeah, it's it's very close. There's buffer, it padding at the beginning of the film and at the end, yeah. but in the middle there, that's pretty much the book. They they use a more common card game. Yeah, <laughs> a more common card game with game. with ridiculous card playouts in that game. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, you have a full house? Well, I have a straight flush. <laughs> <laughs> but I think in, uh, I, I think in the Moonraker... The, the Moonraker book, they play Bridge. It's the uh, big game that Drax and Bond play. Um, but, uh, yeah, Casino Royale's quite faithful. I, I was surprised. But, I mean, I mean they could... I, I wouldn't be against it. I doubt they will. Well, I imagine the problem with that is that so many of the books are relatively small scale compared to the you know what the movies are expected to be now. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like if, we're not making you know the indie Bond films. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they could follow them and, and buffer them up like they did Casino Royale, essentially. Yeah. Um. Yeah, if they wanted to give Thunderball one more try, you know. <laughs> Three times the charm, right? I think first time's the charm, but whatever. Again, I like Thunderball. I just don't appreciate <laughs> it as much as other ones. I know, I know. But no, I, I just, I'm from the minority that kind of dislikes Goldfinger. Um, so for me, my favorite Conneries are probably for uh, First with Love and Thunderball. With the absolute worst being Dimes Are Forever. 
I, I don't think anyone argues that. Like that. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's a, that's an objective factual statement. Um, oh, the the, uh, the marketing campaign for this movie is to lie too. Uh, the posters all feature Bond in like an astronaut outfit, and he he never wears it in the film. Right? Huh? That is correct. I remember the poster. Um, and he's holding a gun that we never see him with. Oh, I'd like to think. Well, they must have like shot that before they even shot the film. I'd imagine, right? Like, oh, yes. I'm sure that. But yeah, that poster was in the office when like, two months after two Spy Who Loved Me came out. Two months after Star Wars came out, they're like, "Yeah, we got it, guys. <laughs> We're done." <laughs> you seen that star picture? Yeah, with the Vader guy. Yeah, yeah. Let's do, let's do that with Bond. <laughs> Everyone in Hollywood apparently has no idea what a movie is, and they just talk about the most basic terms of a movie. <laughs> oh yeah, it's sadly close to how it is, pretty much. Well. And the irony is, despite how derided this film is, you know, before GoldenEye, it was the highest grossing of the Bond pictures. It yes. made about $79 million in the U.S., which was a record for this series. It, you know, it stayed that way for 16, 16 years uh, until GoldenEye came out in 95, becoming the first one to cross $100 million in the U.S. Uh, and they've been pretty much going up and up since then, especially worldwide. The domestic have been a little, you know, here and there. Um, and I, I, yeah, I might have mentioned this last time, but I think I'm guessing that Skyfall will open with about 80, do a three multiplier to 240, which would be a record for the series, and then it'll do like a jillion dollars worldwide. Just because even in the last four years, the global market has expanded so much. For sure, and it helps that I mean we don't know yet, but this one looks like a lot of fun. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It looks like a. I think like it, a, it looks like a solid standalone Bond movie where you can just like something like I mean like Avengers where it's just like I want to go see that again and again like funness. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be told in the traditional sense. I have a feeling too. I, I've seen a picture of a Craig shooting a gun barrel sequence for the film. Oh, cool. And it's not it's not the same as the uh, Quantum of Solace. Where they kind of got a different pose. Mm-hmm. Is he hop this time? And he takes the knee like Lazenby. <laughs> he wears the hat. Does, yes. does, he, does he skip to the center of the room? He does a he does a barrel roll. <laughs> a, ba- a barrel roll into the gun barrel. He does yes. the, John, the John McClane. Uh, uh, he fires, he, he fires a warning shot in the air. get to the zero gravity makeout scenes that are going on yeah. right now. Awesome. Moonraker. That's a pretty cool shot, actually. <laughs> this film is not horrible. I know. It's a good movie. <laughs> Again, you know, we're, we're 96 minutes in the film. Yes, they're off into space, but it's still operating like a normal Bond film. Yeah, this, is could no be... different, this is no different than jumping into a volcano. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Or the gi- giant base rising from the sea. I mean, they could be riding in a plane for all that matters. You know, the fact that they're in space, at least so far, is almost irrelevant. Um, wait, wait. Oh. That's no moon. Die, that's too. the space station. That's Draxylvania. No, I mean, this is just the, the next step in the outlandish base. That's all it is. But, I mean, 
you know, they were correct to an extent that after this, they did have to kind of come down to earth a little bit. I was, I was just thinking, what's, like, the next step if they, like, they still wanted to go big? Like, what would be the next logical place to go? Yeah, and for, for your eyes only, I mean, Bond should have been pissed at the mission, like, that it was so petty. He's like, bitch, I was just in space. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to steal a decoder? Who cares? <laughs> Send 006 after it. Uh, Which one begins with, with Roger Moore using a magnet to take off the woman's dress? Is that, is that, live, like, and let die. Is that live and let die? That's the first one. Okay. I didn't watch that one. Classy to the end. Yeah. Oh. I knew it was either that or Octopussy. <laughs> no, I think, you know, to a certain extent, the series, you know, once you go up, up, up to a certain level of camp, you have to come down. Even, you know, even something like Die Another Day, which, you know, none of us like it. But it was by far the most successful of the franchise. You know, at the biggest opening weekend by a wide margin. It was the highest gross in the series by a wide margin. But after that, they realized, okay, we, we can't go any farther than this unless you do want to go into space again. So they came down to Earth and did Casino Royale. And now, as you can see, they're certainly, you know, they're kind of going, you know, a little bit up, 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 where you have, at least in the marketing materials, you know, Skyfall seems to be trying to be a larger-than-life Bond film with Daniel Craig. You know, how much yeah. can we get away with? You know, you have giant, ridiculous stunts. You have, you know, humor. You have uh, Javier Bardem playing a, you know, a supervillain, basically. Are we all, well, are, are, just slight digression, are we all calling it right now that Ray Fiennes is probably also a bad guy in that movie? Is that, no. Okay. No, he's, no. Oh, you're not, you don't think so? Um, I, I, I think I know what he is, and I'll just keep that from spoiling. All right. Okay. He said, because I think, yeah. If I knew, I wouldn't tell you. All right. Yeah. We'll see. Um, <laughs> and for the listeners, not to spoil. Yeah, yeah. James Bond dies. <laughs> Jaws returns. <laughs> I'm just. It's, it's Ray finds his Jaws origin story. Yes. I'm just hoping. I'm hoping, crossing my fingers, that Naomi Harris is not Money Penny. Uh-huh. Her character is simply Eve. Yeah. And I worry we're going to have another Joseph Gordon-Levitt moment <laughs> at the end. Uh, well, I, I like your your first name. Money Penny. Money Penny. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, they, they've said in interviews, Daniel Craig and uh, Sam Mendes, that they wanted to go do a traditional Bond film. They didn't want to carry the storyline from... Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace, they just wanted to do a straight Bond film. And the question is, what's your definition of a straight Bond film? What's it, oh, are, are they are they going the Gilbert route? Are they going the uh, From Russia with Love for Your Eyes Only route? Spy Love Me, is, uh, as I said before, I think is the ultimate example of just a, a, a Bond film that has all the ingredients to make a successful Bond movie that also, you know, is, it's also a good movie, so that helps. Like, it just... Everything's there between the gadgets, the use of the character, the various locales, the way the plot functions with an over the top, like not a, like well, yeah, I guess an over the top villain, and you know a Bond girl that factors into the story. Like it just has all those things there. No, I, I agree with you. It's it's not my favorite, but I think objectively, it's <clears throat> arguably a good pick for a defining Bond film. It's it's yes. it's the Finding Nemo of Bond films. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, and I think this film suffered coming right at, you know, two films after, one film after, 
after this Five Love Me because it, there are similarities and well, you the know, beats are all the same. Yeah, between it was two. only too easy for people to say, "Oh, this is just ripping off a Spy Who Loved Me," which is true. But Bond films are pretty formulaic in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, one thing too you could get away with back then is home video wasn't there yes. for people to sit and watch Spy Who Loved Me constantly, and then go to the theater and see Moonraker and go, "Whoa, these are kind of the same." You could you could get away with this stuff back then. Or an ultimatum. Or an ultimatum. Excuse me. It's the same movie. Um. Anyway, and once again, we're we're you know a hundred minutes into a two-hour, six-minute picture, and there's nothing particularly weird that's happened. Yeah, they're in space, but again, they for all intents and purposes, they're the in movie the movie under- we wa- we just popped in was Moonraker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> huh? That's all oh, right. Not to be confused with Ben Affleck's Moonraker. Moon. Huh? Yes. <laughs> I missed that one. So Jay and Silent Bob strike back joke. Oh, okay, okay. It, it was a better joke than the uh, Scream Monkey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do not like that movie. And the Scream Monkey personifies why it stinks. Because yeah. even though it's supposed to be an inside baseball Hollywood satire, it just, you know, it uses the same lazy juvenile sophomore humor that will appeal to people that have no lines whatsoever in the business. But, anyway. I like... I, I guess Hugo Drax didn't need to make a big dramatic speech just then because they're now in space, but I feel like he's probably given that same speech to people on Earth before they went, <laughs> as he was recruiting them to go to his, you know, his space, to Drax, uh, to Draxylvania. I'm sure he gives that speech to his kid's career day at school. <laughs> <laughs> now that we're here, doesn't even the sad thing that. is, Hugo Drax's kids didn't fit the uh, criteria to come to space, so... <laughs> Well, they're around. There's the playground. Uh, no, they're in, like, a bottom of some, like, 300-style bone pit of children that didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> Normal gravity zone. Thank you, Sign. <laughs> Normal gravity zone! <laughs> <laughs> this is where we save money. Yeah. All right. Normal gravity, right? Yeah, I know. It's good. Yeah, it doesn't seem like this has a name. It's called Drax's Space Station. So let's. I'm calling it Draxylvania for now. <laughs> Draxylvania. I, I approve. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, we're, in, yeah we're in space, and yeah, I honestly, I mean, people that think this movie's goofy have not watched Moonraker. Uh, they, that's, no. that's the bottom line. Because well, whenever I, I see a new article pop up ranking them, because they keep popping yeah, up now, it'll be right, like yeah. 22 Moonraker. I'm like, nope, not reading the rest. You obviously have not watched these recently. Uh, well, I, I think I agree with you, of course, but I think in the last 10 years or so, I think we've finally gotten to a point where we don't have to be aggressively defensive about Timothy Dalton. That sort of, it's finally become conventional wisdom that his films were pretty darn good. Because I remember 10 years ago, you know, you, you read a list like this and, you know, License to Kill and Living Daylights would be at the bottom. Oh, yeah. Or near the bottom. It was like, really? Oh, sorry. Wrong, but okay. Apparently, no one's seen Octopussy. Yeah, people, He's, people. Well, no one, no one has seen Octopussy. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. Everyone, everyone just knows the title. Yeah, and I mean, I, and no one really. I mean, people just want to hold Connery like just high and mighty. But you look at like you look at. I mean, you only know twice is enjoyable, but you look at Diamonds Are Forever, and that's just a bad movie. It's, <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it's a bad film. Doctor No, arguably, is only memorable for being the first film. Um. I have my issues with Goldfinger. You have your issues with Thunderball. So really, the only 
you know, unquestionably great conneries from Rust with Love. Um, and yeah, when I was growing up, it was Connery and then everybody else. And I think, you know, to a certain extent, the last, you know, five, six, seven years, maybe it's a generational thing, we've gotten to the point where everybody, every Bond actor starts on equal footing when comparing them, if that makes sense. Well, I was going to say, when we were, when I was young, and Scott was young at the same time, Roger Moore wasn't looked upon at all like he is now. He was Bond. Yeah. By people. I mean, he wasn't this joke. He wasn't bad. He wasn't awful. He was just current James Bond, and he was fine, and people liked him. Some, a lot of people liked him better than Sean Connery. Depends when you were depends when you were like growing up and and stuff. And Dalton wasn't really looked upon too highly. At now, everybody time. hated everybody right. hated Dalton because they wanted Pierce Brosnan. And, yeah, and he wasn't. And now, in retrospect, people are like. Him, but I didn't think he was bad back then. But he wasn't highly upon people. Did like Roger Moore? They have clubs in space. I don't know if any of you just saw that. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> uh, they don't have guns or laser guns or even not. Like, they have a club. Like both of them are confused <laughs> by what just happened. Like, yes. Like, Bond knees, jaws, and the balls, and like both of them just don't understand what's going. They're like, wait, did I do? Do I have these? Like, like I don't even know what the reaction's supposed to be. <laughs> Um, and I think part of it is we've, we've, we've enough time has passed that we can discuss Pierce Brosnan in the past tense with a certain retrospective knowledge that comes with, you know, hindsight and time. Yeah, um, well, I, I feel he's becoming the new one to, that's to pull the dog on his yeah, tongue. Yes. It's unfortunate because I feel like, like Tomorrow Never Dies never really gets mentioned. Uh, the world's not enough only gets looked down upon because of Christmas Jones and Die Another Day yeah. people think of it as a joke and a lot of people as much as I know Scott I mean you, Goldeneye's your favorite movie your favorite body yes. and I love Goldeneye I know a lot of people like Goldeneye but a lot of people think that a lot of people say that Goldeneye's only good because it has a video game to back it up that's what I've been that's, yes. what, I, that's what I've heard a lot of and that makes me really upset <laughs> no it, yeah completely false and I guess we'll discuss Brosnan more when well, we, we get, get to there, Golden Knight. We do that for our next comment. But I, I, I think he has three. He has one phenomenal picture, uh, a really, really good one, a, a solid one, and in my opinion, a terrible one. But three I out agree. of four is not bad. I agree at all. In each one of them, even Die Another Day, I would say he does a lot more character work with the Bond character than has been done in yes. a while. I, yeah. I would argue the only Bond films that really have character development other than maybe on your magic secret service are the Daltons and the Brosnans to a certain extent. Well, Craig, yes. I mean, well, Craig, yes. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, up, up to, you know, up to Dalton and above. Okay. You know, um, cause you know, certainly the Roger Moore ones, you know, other than the occasional references to his wife, you know, there's nothing there. There's moments, yeah, there's moments where he yeah. shows emotion for sure. In the yeah. Roger Moore ones. You br- brush away, brush away the previous cast and start over. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. Um, and really, with with Connery, it's about the same way. Yeah, Connery's only carrying over storyline was from a different Bonds, and it feels really awkward. Yes, the beginning. Uh, Diamonds are forever. So I'm well, because you don't buy Sean Connery marrying, you know, having the kind of relationship that George Lazenby mm-hmm. had with uh, Patricia Rick or Diana Rick. Rick. Diana Rick, yeah. Um, you know, everybody said, oh, you know, if Connery had been in her Majesty's Secret Service, it would have been the best. It would have been horrible. No, it would have been horrible. Uh, and well, the thing is, we see that happen too 
Lazenby's Bond, but Connery yeah. going for the revenge for it, and it does work. And Blofeld's not even the same actor, so it's just a mess. Yeah. Yeah. I Again, here's another Drax fun line where he's, <laughs> <laughs> your desire to be the first woman in space will soon be re- like that's good that's it seems like Drax is more at home now now that he's in space and he's, he's willing to cut out you know rip, rip out the jokes now yeah. now, now here, here we go here's I, I talked about this in my article but they put Jaws in a situation where he doesn't you know why would he want to go through with this because uh Drax just talks about you know no people with imperfections are going to be allowed to continue on this trip and Jaws and Jaws' girlfriend has glasses, and he's, well, Jaws. So he's like, well, I can either sit here and let J- and Drax do away with me, or, you know, I don't think help Bond maybe is the right solution, but definitely not letting Drax succeed is, uh, you know, it's a good, reasonable goal. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I guess it makes sense. Um, it's just something that, in in principle, was something, you know, you take the, the bad guy that everybody loved in the last film and turn him into a good guy. You know, we liked him because he was a bad guy, because he was scary. And, I mean, it's not like we have time to really flesh out the Jaws character, but this does, yeah. it does happen rather abruptly. <laughs> Again, we have, you know, 15 minutes left in this movie, and it's still not stupid. You know, I'm waiting for this movie to start getting dumb. Oh, it's it's clearly number 22 ranked on the... Uh, James Absolutely. Bond. Yeah. It's worse than Octopussy, Man with the Golden Gun, You Do a Kill, kill. Man, sorry, Man, another... Medicine Family Classic, You Do a Kill, <laughs> Die Another Day, Die Another Day, uh, Die uh, Forever. I, I definitely took a little shot at recent uh, Bond writers in my article oh, today. That's all it is. Today? You are a new one? What world is not, Oh, did they come out last night? Yes. It was last night, okay. Oh, I didn't know if you meant what published it. I know you you write them a little ahead of when I published them, so I didn't know if you had actually written something already. Uh, how many of you – what are you up to in terms of watching? I just have the Craig 2. Ah. Which I could write on Casino Royale without even watching. watching I would again. imagine. But in all fairness, I, I will be watching again. And this is the first time we've had any real serial gravity, if I can recall. And it's basically just them walking in slow motion. That's fine. Cheap. There's a, there's a guy upside down. <laughs> in the background. <laughs> oh. Dance in the space station. Uh, they're not going to make it. Oh, no, they're, they're actually evacuating. I remembered when I when I went to watch this, I remembered this uh, action sequence looking far worse than it actually ended up being. It's fine. It's... A little, it's, you know, again, it's Thunderball in space, basically. It is, and yeah. it's like, if they can handle all these underwater sequences, which there are quite a lot of, like, the, the recurring action sequences in Bob movies are funny, because there's a, there's underwater sequences, ski sequences, and, and, and like, yes. elaborate car chases. Like, those, those are Bond staples. Yes. Especially ski sequences. Can't get enough skiing in Bond movies. Since, since Craig hasn't, you know, finished yet, I, I won't count him out, but, uh, Sean Connery is the only Bond not to ski in some way, shape, or Maybe form. Maybe he couldn't ski. They, well, they hadn't had a snow sequence yet when he was. Well, yeah. Diamonds Are Forever would have been the opportunity, we're, but we'll never see a Scottish man ski. <laughs> oh, better. Well, they might have broken the normal gravity chamber. <laughs> this is a bit stationary. I'm mean, all course, just standing, shooting at each other, but it's, it's still pretty cool. It's space. Better than the escape from the Death Star, I'll tell you that, man. 
Well, I, I have my issues with the lightsaber fight in that film, but oh well. They're old. The one's robotic. Yeah, but you spend the entire movie looking forward to a giant lightsaber fight, and it just... It's about, yeah. it's about opposing wills, Scott. Let's just say they got better. Yeah, um, well, they're full of surprises. <laughs> uh. Run away, run away! I do like the... It kind of... They, I mean... It's, I'm not saying it's like a crazy scientifically accurate movie, but there is a there's some plausibility to how they've designed the space station, which I admire. Oh yes, and it's yeah. a gorgeous set. Like it seems like they they, oh, yeah. they did take cap tap into like 2001 as well as Star Wars in terms of how do we create both a over the top Bond villain lair, but also keep it in the realm of some kind of plausibility. <laughs> uh, Lewis uh, Gilbert has said, if I have any claim to fame, I believe I've shot the three biggest sets ever built for motion pictures. Hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, Pinewood's huge, right? So we had all the time in the world. <laughs> oh, double this, shot! That's the closest thing to gore we see in any of this. It's a shame we don't see him when his face melt off. I'm disappointed now. That was close. Jaw's hand, right? <laughs> yeah, these sets don't look bad at all. I don't. Where's no, it... the horribleness? Much laser. I mean, this might be heresy, but this is a better laser gun battle than Star Wars. The first one, anyway. Whoa! Uh, I think John Hamm just died. That's, that's what that guy looks like. It's <laughs> 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 like John so Hamm on that ladder. Oh, so that's what happens to Don Draper. There you go. Yeah, he went to space because he's a perfect specimen. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> <laughs> Who could argue this? <laughs> yeah. He quit Ster- the Sterling Draper or whatever, Sterling whatever. Sterling Draper Price. <laughs> and uh, Betty wouldn't, or not Betty, uh, crap, what's her name? Uh, 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 Canadian Teeth. Um, I can't... <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Canadian Teeth. <laughs> yes. Uh, Elizabeth Moss wouldn't hire her. Just, yeah. Jessica Paré is character. Paré, so, yes. No, no, no. Uh, the, 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 oh, God, what's her name? Not Betty, not his wife. Uh, co-worker. Peggy? Peggy. Oh. Peggy wouldn't hire him back at, at her company, so he went up into space with the tracks. Huh. And then he died. How come we didn't get a flashback to Q teaching him about the gun here? Because we wanted to see Michael Lonsdale's horrified face instead, who looks like Ricky Gervais in that shot, by the way. Five, five <laughs> minutes into the movie, they remind us about the gun, but two hours in... That's a pretty ruthless death, too, right? <laughs> he doesn't just shoot him with the dart. He sends him into space. Connery was pretty, or uh, Moore was pretty brutal when it came to killing the main bad guy. Yeah, and Spider Lovey shoots him four uh, or five times. Yeah, he just shoots him right at the table. First, he like he shoots him through his little secret tube thing, and then he shoots him like three more times. Yeah, he <laughs> basically nice. executes him. And then, yeah, like uh, Brandon, you were saying, and, and uh, for your eyes only, he knocks the guy off the cliff. Yeah, Actually, and then there's the uh, the guy at the. Uh... The tie, the tie guy. Who oh yeah, that's, a, yeah. That's, a, that's that's a, that's what my favorite was because that's just, that's iconic right there. It's, that, it's, they used to show that clip every time a new Bond movie came out and they'd have that special. That would be in there because that's cold when he does it too. It's like tell me where whatever it is. Then he like tells me he just knocks the tie out of his hand. And he falls off a building. It's like that's yeah. this is badass. And you know, Live and Let Die. He sticks a pill in Yafikado's mouth and makes him explode. The same scene yes. from Alien. 
Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> uh, and uh, this is pretty much end game, folks. With the man Once again, I am still entertained and amused. Yeah. Well, we still have the uh, uh, the little the, the things he shot out. What are they called? The the, uh, the, uh, the modules, the uh, the three globes. The the yeah the globes. That will, that will commit, you know, mass genocide. But no, I mean, basically, you you got to make one concession. They go to space. Yeah, that's it. Just if you're okay to go along with that, you're you're fine. No, this is still a a pretty decent Bond film. Um, more than decent. Yeah, Roger, more than decent. Touché. Oh, it, like, it's one of Moore's best. Like, a decent one is the next one. It's for your eyes only. That's a decent one. This one's pretty good. <laughs> I would say this is probably his second best film, I, yeah, it's by Love Me. I would, so, yeah. I would agree with that, actually. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I wouldn't... I would say, yeah, second best would either be, from, you know, for my personality, would be this or Live and Let Die. Live and Let Die be. was the other one I was considering, yeah. Uh, but this one moves a little a better. Slow. Yeah, it's, it's, it is, because Roger Moore is very comfortable as Bond at this point. Yes, yeah. And as we said, he looks good. He looks good in this movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Spot but while, he, while he's not comfortable in Live and Let Die, I do like his performance in that movie. Yeah. Um. This, oh. this movie has less annoying Bond girls than Live and Let Die does. You don't like Jane Seymour? Not, the, not her, the other one. The, Rosie Carver. Rosie Carver. <laughs> oh, man. People complain about Denise Richards, but, man... Rosie Carver. And she's supposed to be some super badass double agent, but she's screaming oh about a, a dead snake. <laughs> I like this. Oh. We'll meet again. Don't know where. Don't know when. Here's to work. <laughs> and all this stuff with Jaws, whatever. It, my, my main gripe here is where Bond is like, Jaws! We need you to help us, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, they are kind of buddy-buddy at this point. This is, yeah, this is just a little, eh, this this is too much. Joss should just have his own agenda. Well, she's telling him to help. Well, well, it's not like, I mean, Joss didn't get out the window, it's like, hey, Bond, remember me? Like, (laughs) help me, burrito? Do you remember Egypt when I tried to... (laughs) Kill you? Remember when we threw each other off airplanes? You remember when I bit a shark? That was pretty cool. Remember you shot me in the teeth once? Hilarious. You could have hit me in the head, but you didn't. Good. Remember when you left me to die in Atlantis by, you know, attaching a magnet to my face? Oh, and last week when you pushed me out of a plane? Oh, that was a, that was a good circus, though. Why don't you come work for MI6? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Anybody's been looking to get a temp. <laughs> Hello, MI6 branch, Jaws. <laughs> oh, there goes Traxylvania. I hope all that gets burned up in the atmosphere. Or else we get the great Endor fallout of that year that yes. happened. Endor Fallout? And not many people think about the the fact that Death Star 2 had a crazy 
horrific events on Endor after it was blown up. I do like that Bond does not fly the spaceship. Yeah. It's Goodhead who is established is an astronaut earlier in the film. Bond doesn't does not fly it. It's interesting. They kill off the villain pretty quickly, and they still have a lot more to do afterwards. Yeah, it's yes. a, it's well, I guess Philo ends a little quicker, but they, they kill him off before they even get to, like, they still kill Jaws after that. Yeah. dun 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 Great shot, kid. Don't get cocky. Don't get cocky, yes. Use the force bond. He switched off his targeting computer. Trust your feelings. Old man, stop talking. I'm using my latest equipment that's designed by scientists. <laughs> I don't have time for your parasitic whatevers. <laughs> yeah, that'd be really awkward if you turned off all his equipment and then miss. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's why blows up Yavin yeah, and Han goes in like, what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> Wait, wasn't there, there was a, there was actually a comic book series in the 90s that was like a what if Luke missed. <laughs> really? Yes, and it was it was it got pretty dark. It was I back mean, in Tatooine. It gets like it was like a drunkard. It's like I remember I tried to fight a war. <laughs> yeah, there there was there was a uh, comic book series based on Luke missing. It was alternate universe. Fascinating malfunction. Yeah. Switching to manual, he pulls out his Walter PPK and sticks his hand. Because <laughs> 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 bullets travel through space, right? That happens. <laughs> Did you has anybody seen um, the Christopher Walken film McBain? Uh, no, I haven't. I want to, but I haven't. I have not seen that film. There's a, there's a great scene uh, following that logic where he's in a plane, and a jet fighter comes near him, and he shoots out the window and caps the other plane. Doesn't Arnold do that in a in a racer? Uh, he shoots at the plane, but he doesn't actually. Doesn't really accomplish anything. Okay. No, he just does it to be cool. He just gets tangled as well. He has a big gun in his hand. That's actually another, you know jump out of a plane without a parachute, then get the parachute later moment. Uh, which actually, you know, reminded me of when we were watching the beginning of this film. Which is almost even, because he doesn't even get the parachute, like, together till like, two seconds before he hits the ground. Yes. <laughs> it, in all logic, you probably should have killed him. He's Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it was a cushy car that he landed on. That's true. That is a fun movie, though. I like Eraser. That's one of oh. my favorite film-going experiences, because it was in this great... When it, like a great theater, like the great sound system, like just opened up in that theater when I saw it, and I was like, "Yeah, Racer is amazing." <laughs> and like my dad took me to see it because I had like a dentist appointment, so I got to school early, and we saw Racer afterwards. It's like, cool. it's like this is awesome. <laughs> You're How not... old are you? I'm scared to ask. That's what 96, so I would be nine. Oh my god! <laughs> Your little oh, baby. Your luggage. God. Your luggage. Ten, nine or ten, one of those. Uh, 99 is my bar mitzvah, so take that as it is. That's incredibly depressing. <laughs> yep, here we go. Time for re-entry. Would it be kind of cold in that space shuttle? No, they got they got Draxylvania sponsored heaters. Oh, good. Mar- Marlboro heaters <laughs> are in the space shuttle. <laughs> you know no, what? what? Despite what this, love... no, this, no, despite this groaner, it's far better than Margaret Thatcher calling Bond. That's true. Yeah, that one. 
Yeah, again, watching that the other day, my God, it ends with, like, a parrot making jokes. That's so weird. Hey, he solves the case with a parrot. So. <laughs> but, you know, that that's grounded in reality, that movie. Mm-hmm. Now, they know Bond. They've worked with him for several years, depending on how long these films actually take place. Why do they always act shocked when they come upon him and he's having sex? He's always having sex when you, you know, track him down after the mission. You think they'd stop being surprised by that? They're prudes and proof. I thought space only came once a year. (laughs) They're forgetful prudes. You know what? Okay, as much as we may not like um, Die Another Day, I like I like a lot. I like like the first half of that movie. I think is kind of solid. The first half is good. But it's very good. The, there's a line that that Pierce Brosnan delivers to um to Rosamund Pike's character where when he finds out she's a villain and he and he says she says like I use like my sex and he says the coldest weapon of them all and that that's like one of my favorite Bond like put says <laughs> in a movie. No, about, I think the I'm Mister Kill. That's a name to die. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Um, that was a joke no, the, between my friends and I for a long time. I am Mr. Kill. <laughs> <laughs> no, the first half of Die Another Day, where it's basically, you know, another what Pierce Brosnan what-if story. What if Bond was captured and disavowed, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera, it's actually pretty good. The problem is the second half of the film devolves into a very generic, you know, stop the supervillain story with the double as a backdoor pilot for Halle Berry's character. Well, once, <laughs> once Halle Berry's character... Jumps off that cliff to get to the boat. It goes. It's off the rails from there. Yeah, it's it's the turning point of the movie where it just starts stepping down. It's the jump the cliff moment. It, yes, the jump the cliff. <laughs> and uh, yes, okay. Speaking of turnovers, let's uh, wrap this one up because the Moonraker is ending, and we will have plenty more to talk about in our next commentary for Goldeneye. Drax's girl. Drax's girl. Drax's girl. Drax's girl. Drax's girl. All this girl. And the stunt team. We can't have stunt team. Stunt team. Stunt team. Stunt team. No. All right. So that's gonna. Anyone that stuck around for this commentary, by the way, good for you because these. I like doing these. I think you guys like have like these are fun to talk about. And but you know they are lengthy because it's an entire Bond film that we just went over. So um you know. There you go. But that's going to do it for this episode of Out Now, Baron and Abe. You can find more of my work at my personal blog, thecodezeek.com, where you can find all my written movie reviews, as well as at ysoblue.com for Blu-ray reviews. You can also find me at twitter.com slash aaronsps3. Uh, Scott? Uh, Mendelssohn's Memos, or just Google, well, Google Mendelssohn's Memos. And uh, also Huffington Post, and occasionally Open Salon, occasionally Valley Sea Magazine. But just go to Mendelssohn's Memos. And Brandon? Uh, and Mendelssohn's Memos as well. And you can follow me uh, on Twitter at, at BT Peters. Great. And, um, of course, you can find all the other regular episodes of Out Now with Aaron and Abe on mm-hmm. iTunes and at hhwlod.com. You can also find most of the newest episodes and some exclusives at outnow.potomac.com. Feel free to email us, outnowpodcast at gmail.com, where you can, you know, did you did you like our Moonraker commentary? Do you like these Bond commentaries? What's your favorite Bond movie? Any of these questions you can ask, and we'll be happy to answer them also facebook.com slash out now podcast and twitter.com slash out now underscore podcast you can follow and like those pages all the updates and what have you will be in those areas um james bond will return in our golden eye commentary but for now that's going to do it for this special commentary episodes about now baron and abe so until next time so long and goodbye
Just like the moon.